Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Show, where every Friday we'll be covering another instalment in a classic horror franchise. Go to weirdgeeks.com and weirdgeeks on iTunes to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details and news on our very own feature films, albums, shorts and more that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. We Are Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the film's referenced, and no infringement is intended. Geeks! Geeks! Hello and welcome back to the We Are Geeks Horror Show, where every single Friday we take you through another installment in a classic horror retrospective franchise. Right now, we're going through a Versus series, taking those old 80s versus. action movies. Thanks, guys. It's like the last time we get to do it. We it, it is quite well, sort of next week wrap up. Oh, true. Taking those old 80s slasher movies that were remade into so far mostly atrocious, <laughs> just terrible atrocities of, of nature and man mm-hmm. and battling them out to see which one's the victor so far. Originals are won every time, although there have been a few disputes. So you no, can go back. One. Yeah. Huh? Only no, there's one. been no, there were two. There was one where I was like, I could go either way. Oh. And then you guys were pretty strongly on one end. And then there was one which I made the decision between you two. Yeah. But yeah. If you're new to us, hello, welcome. Head on out to weirdgeeks.com and also go on to iTunes, type in the Weird Geeks, look for a little symbol, click on it, subscribe, rate it. It's the only way you can support us because we're not going to do any patrons, we don't do banner ads, and we're not going to try and sell you any bangs. Hey, <laughs> I will try and sell you bangs. I just got Katie some. Katie just got bangs. They're wonderful. Yeah. I mean, Looking great. But hey, if everyone had it, then would it look as wonderful? So let's not sell them to people. Keep the bang population down. But we can That's just do motto. like fake bangs and then... Girls can be catty and be like, hers are fake. You can totally tell. Girls being catty? <laughs> Hair pieces? Yeah. In LA? <laughs> right? Weird. And we're not going to try and sell you any blue tint goggles either. Oh. What? Call and everyone Shannon should have out. some. They protect your eyes, people. Go buy <laughs> some. Do. Shannon's looks they really are. good. Not going to lie. Thank you. Mine are very cute. They are. Honest to God. People, if you're listening, if you're, if you're a creator of technology screens... Just put blue tint in it now, please. Yeah. Just yeah. put it, bake it in to the good. I don't know why it isn't here. I just, I'm It's ridiculous. Confused. My headaches ridiculous. like decreased so much just from putting like the little cling filmy thing over the front of my mm-hmm. laptop screen. Well, to be fair, it changes the color ever so slightly. So it know. doesn't. Yeah. But then, you're, but then it. the setup would just change a little bit. That's true. Like the setups for what they have yeah. to do behind the scenes and screens would change a little bit to compensate for that. Whatever. Yeah. And plus, yeah. in all honesty, from the DPs I know, they would much prefer we watch stuff like this. <laughs> like, you're not getting that extreme contrast. It just takes a little bit of the edge off, which is better for the eyes, better for the image normally, mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm Al White, your host, and joining me throughout all of these movies, Katie Watson. Hi. And Shannon Hollander. Hola. Who has got the six. <laughs> She's all ill. What? The six. Sickies. As yeah. James liked to say, are you down with the sickness? And then I said, yes. <laughs> well, ah, I am down with the sickness. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Gonna be a fun one. Yep. <laughs> we are Strap talking. in, folks. <laughs> about Stage Fright from 1987 and Stage Fright 2014. Guys, did you notice what happened this week? We're on our last episode. For people who've been with us throughout this journey, we kind of changed things a little bit because Mother's Day was in there. We threw it out. We brought this in. Because uh, I had some people asking me if we were going to cover Stage Fright. And I was like, yeah, let's cover Stage Fright. Did you notice, however, that the 2014 is not actually a remake of the 1987 original? I uh, mean, ish. Yeah, it's slightly 
deviates from yeah. the 1987 a little. Well, but like, here's the thing. De- depending who you listen to um, in terms of critics, they will call it out as being a remake of the original. However, there is no official ties between these two films. They did not own the rights to it as far as I can find anywhere. And in no interview anywhere with the producers or the director or writer of this film did they even reference the 1987 original. They were creating a whole different film, which has happened to have the name Stage Fright as its title. And we'll get into it, but I kind of tricked you both into it because we, we had an extra week that we needed to plug. We'd taken out Mother's Day. And when people were saying Stage Fright, I was like, you know what? This is the perfect one to end on. And we're going to get to why. But because we get to talk about Giallo a little bit. And that's an important thing to, to mention if we're going to do our first proper slasher sort of array of the 80s uh, you podcast. A, appropriate hand movement when you pronounce an Italian word. So well done. Thank you. You gotta wave your arms around. Giallo. Yeah. Giallo. Not to be confused with jello. It's not the same. Well, I mean, they both can be yellow. So, but- yeah, we are gonna talk about 1987 first, and then we're gonna take a little disco break in the middle, and then we'll come back and talk about 2014. Well, what jello yellow means jello. jello did you have? We're gonna get to it. We should <laughs> not jello eat yellow jello. jello. Yeah, that is no. not, I don't think I've ever seen that. Like a lemon jello or a pineapple no. jello? Do lime. It's always like green. Yeah. What's wrong with you guys? I don't know. You but- don't have other flavored jellies? Yeah, but I don't know. There's just something weird about yellow jello. Yeah, it's like the don't eat yellow snow rule. Yeah. Don't eat yellow jello. Well, you guys are just, you need, to, you need to keep it zipped and stop peeing and things. We're fine. You can <laughs> eat I some really nice pineapple flavored jelly. Pineapple's great. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> she mm. thought about it. She'd come around. <laughs> it gets a 6.8 out of 10 on the IMDb. Pretty high. Interesting. Actually, very the high for does? a film that's been out for that long. Yeah. The original. <laughs> I'm sorry. Face. What? Is that like, <laughs> Showing your hand a little bit. What do you mean it gets a 6.8? <laughs> it gets the 6.8 out of 10, which is, which is high for <laughs> Right? Uh, it's got, that's 5,701 uh, ratings, which got it there, which is very good score. Well, those are 5,701 people that all eat yellow jello. <laughs> yellow jello eaters. Oh, boy. <laughs> Before we get there, though, guys, we do like to look at the landscape of the year. It's 1987. Yeah, it is. Shannon, I believe you might have the oh, top 10 worldwide gross. I do. So our top 10 for 1987, I'm going to start just a little bit outside the top 10. Well, there's a couple of some of my favorite movies that are outside the top 10. So number 18, Throw Mama from the Train. Oh, nice one. <laughs> That's yeah. one of your favorite movies. It was. Like, when I was a kid, it was, I don't know, I loved it. I think there are people now listening to this who are all upset that you're not liking the original Stage Fright, and then they've heard you say that, and they go, oh, all right. (laughs) (laughs) We're up to speed now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Number 17, RoboCop. Ooh. I thought you said RoboCop. And number 11, honestly, one of my all-time favorite movies. Broadcast news. Oh, I haven't seen that in such a long time. Oh, I've never even so heard of this. Good. I do it's great. Oh, you need to watch it. Like, we should stop this podcast and everyone should watch <laughs> broadcast news. It's so freaking good. I've literally never even heard of this film. Oh, my God. I, I mean, just about. the beginning of like Holly Hunter crying and then like pulling herself together to be like, it's just another day. I was like, I, I relate. I relate. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> now the n- number 10, also a great movie, The Untouchables. Oh, good one. Oh, a phenomenal movie. One of my favorite scores and one of the many reasons why Kevin Costner is amazing. <laughs> there you go. There one you of go. the many. Uh, <laughs> number nine, Moonstruck. Hey, Cher. Yeah. How hey, you girl. Doing? Uh, number eight, 
It's so nice to have Shannon, by the way, because we've talked about Moonstruck a couple of times in these lists, and the guys never know what it yeah, is. Yeah, it means nothing to me. What? I was like, it's Cher! <laughs> guys, she I won know. a freaking Oscar! As she should. I mean, I mean many, many, many ridiculous people win ridiculous Oscars How ridiculous dare you? Yeah, but no one more ridiculous than Cher. She's That's wonderful. <laughs> has Whoopi Goldberg ever won an Oscar? She has. How? Whoopi. Wait, Sandra Bullock won an Oscar. <laughs> but Sandra That's Bullock is not ridiculous. ridiculous. She's just Sandra not Bullock ridiculous. is Oscar. She, she is speed to cruise control. That's who Sandra Bullock is. And let's not she is Miss Congeniality. Uh, if Sandra Bullock is listening, I would just like for you to know that I appreciate your work and I would like to work with you at some point. So Also, listen, I do listen. not. Why are you listening like you. to this <laughs> podcast? That's an interesting thing. Guys, we've derailed. We've derailed. Let's Let's get back into number eight with Predator. Wow. Oh, yeah, you can listen to it. Go to Weird Geeks. We did a whole Predator retrospective. It was really good. Was had. I like the Lots Predators. of people going, wow. Yeah. Lots yeah. of fun. Guys, 1987, good year for movies. I'm looking at this list. It's real freaking good because number seven, we're coming in hot with Lethal Weapon. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Shane and, Black, who's in Predator. Uh, and then number sure. six, another one of my favorite movies, Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, this oh, one was shit. great. It was really Dayquil good. definitely kicked in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah this is not that how Dayquil. I am on Dayquil. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I mean, it is a great film. Technically, it it's really, an upper, really so it's going to happen. <laughs> Number five, Three Men and a Baby. Who loves oh, some Ted Danson? Who loves so some Ted Danson? good. And Tom Selleck. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And Tom Selleck. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and the guy from Police Academy. <laughs> Is that what he's from? Yeah, he the is in one? Police Academy. Yeah. yeah, he's the artist guy in it. Yeah. Everyone uh, always talks about I the I just rewatched this recently, like in the last eight months, and it holds up. I'm just letting there you know. There you go. It's reassuring. Yeah. Uh, number four, and I don't know this one, The Living Daylights. Oh, yeah, it's a James thing. Bond film. It's Timothy Dalton. Ah. Uh, I think it was maybe the first proper James Bond film I saw. Definitely the first one I saw by myself. Yeah. Which was the first improper one you saw. well speaking of improper films number three dirty dancing we didn't even plan that segue people yep we are professionals (laughs) that's right shannon on dayquil it's all happening (laughs) (laughs) we're finding our groove finally he's gonna guide us to the end of the show as quick as possible (laughs) Uh, and then number two beverly beverly hills cop two and number one, also a fantastic film, Glenn Close, Fatal Attraction. Ooh. Oh, shit, oh. yeah. Yep. Don't boil the bunnies, people. Don't do it. Or do. That's an interesting list. Is but it? yeah, nearly all of them classics. Yeah, it's a re- like 1987, good year. I did notice no horror films in that list, however. Except for Predator. Predator. Oh, yeah, Predator. Obviously, we did it, so it's considered a horror film, Al. Yeah. Also, not entirely (laughs) sci-fi. Right? (laughs) Predator is one of uh, the few horror movies I've actually, or whatever you want to call it, I've actually seen. Oh, this does not bode well for our claim that it's a horror film. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Shannon willingly watched it. I don't think it was willingly. I think it was my stepdad really liked it, and we watched it at one point. It's a very dad film. Yeah. It's an excellent film. Yeah, it's very good. Lots of testosterone. You want to know a list that is not full of classics? I can talk to you about the horror films of 1987. (laughs) Here we go. Let's see. Oh, shit. 
Let's start off with a little film I've never heard of called Bad Taste. <laughs> I don't know that that's it's Peter, a good idea to name your film that. Yeah, That's Peter Jackson's <laughs> early films from New Zealand where he was just making schlocky horror. Oh, that really? That was Peter Jackson's first films, yeah. Was it as good as Bloodhook? <laughs> no. Yeah, this isn't great, but it's got a good poster. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome put out a great better have a good poster. Also, it should have a good poster. Creepazoids. These are yeah. just, yeah, these are just words. I don't even know this. Creep show two. Yeah, I miss George Romero and Stephen yeah. King. They do the creep show films. That's definitely and a George Romero sort of tales of the crypt sort of style things. I do know this one, Evil Dead two. Very good. I mean, that's your favorite, isn't it? It's of my favorites of the Evil Dead. Your Dead's? favorite Evil Dead, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not my favorite Evil Dead, but we'll get to that series. We will. When are we doing that? Well, we keep putting it off because they have a fucking series, which luckily is finished now, so it's yeah, three it's seasons long. But that's canon. Like, that's the same actor. It's the same, like, Campbell, canon baby. story. So you can't review those films without reviewing the TV show. And we're about to get to that problem. We got to that problem with The Purge, and we managed to circumvent it by not doing it. Because <laughs> The Purge is <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Whereas with Child's Play, we're going to have a trouble as well, because they've got the remake of Child's Play with Aubrey Plaza about to come out, which the original, like, me, Alex, and, and uh, Ali are going to be covering. But then they've also got a Child's Play TV show done by Don Mancini, who did the all of the other Child's Plays. Right. So they've like gone reboot and continuing Child's Play, but now on TV. So it's like, well, how the fuck are we going to review this stuff? Oh, there's too much content. Yes, there is. But so also, guys, don't let's stop, stop making, making Evil Deads. No, let's stop. Well, yeah. Well, no, I'm happy they stopped making Evil Dead show because now we can maybe catch that it up. It was really good, though, something. from what I watched of it so far. It was good. If you like I'm in Darkness, you're like, anyway, what are we doing? Continue with the list. <laughs> Another film that we have done, we should get badges for this film that we completed it all. It was Hellraiser. I'll tell you what. I am a changed yeah. woman after watching all the Hellraisers. For was better the first Hellraiser? Yeah, the very first one. I like the first Hellraiser, though. We like that one. Yeah. That was one of the only good things to happen in that Hellraiser. Don't look at me. <laughs> so good. Uh, Howling 3. I've not seen any of these still, which I like a good yeah. werewolf film. So I should maybe watch well, them. I don't think there are any good werewolf films. Yeah, not true. Well, no, I do. I think they're good. I don't think there are any great werewolf films. An American Werewolf in Paris is pretty great. I mean, that's the only London. One. You mean. London, I mean, sorry. Yeah, yeah, but I don't really see that. I mean, yeah, I mean, not for sure, but I don't see that as a werewolf film. But okay. But, I mean, no, it is. But this is a whole conversation. This is absolutely a werewolf film. Before. No, it is. It is, but it's a comedy. Like it's, it's like it's not. That doesn't not make it less werewolf. Sure. Okay. I mean, American Wealth in London is a film which I respect. I get why people love it. It doesn't do anything for me personally, but I get it's a good piece of filmmaking. Because Al lives in London and he's like above it all now. <laughs> I get, like, now? True. Doesn't really portray true. London the right way. I guess. So. Yeah, sure. That's the reason. <laughs> There's a really great uh, transformation scene. It's so good. Yeah, no, there it's is. So it's so Phenomenal. It's really no, good. It's a phenomenal transformation. It's just not for me. I guess I should change my mindset. There are no great scary werewolf movies all right all right oh yeah i'll buy that because i can watch them all (laughs) (laughs) if i can stand to watch it it's not scary (laughs) that is that is we're not even going to start talking about lichens you know we're not even going to go there oh yeah Um, you're not going to underworld please we're gonna keep moving on with jaws the revenge the final the final jaws the final one uh followed by the lost boys it's a great one that's a horror movie yeah. I mean, t- if you, yeah. Yeah? For okay. 1987, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I've seen that. I mean, The Monster that. Squad is a horror film. It's just a kid's How did film. you know the next film I was going to say, Al White? Ooh. The Monster really? Squad. Yep. There you go. 
followed by A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Me and Alex have covered this on We Geeks. You can have a little listen. We keep thinking about redoing it because we did that just me and him and we could do it with three of us would be better. But yeah. What can you do? I love that you guys did that by yourself. It kind of made me yeah. happy. And plus iTunes somehow lost two of our episodes and we can't find the backups of them. So at the moment, it's like that series is missing two episodes, which Ooh, breaks my heart. The plot yeah. thickens. Maybe Freddy anyway. stole them. Ooh. <laughs> Nefarious. Nefarious. <laughs> the worst thing Bitch, that child murderer Freddy did is <laughs> download podcasts. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, followed by Predator, which we've already covered as maybe not a horror film, but you could still listen to our podcast about it. Film. It's great. And then one that we've done that you guys are going to hear about soon, which is Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Well, yes. we didn't do this one, but we did. Silent Night, Silent Deadly, Night, Night. Deadly Night. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, I talked about part two. Yeah. And everyone should absolutely watch part two. It's hilarious. Right. And then last but not least, Slumber Party Massacre 2. Ooh. So lots of twos yeah. in this list. That's the worst Some of them. origins, um, but mostly two. Okay, so there's some, there's some big budget stuff. There's some creature stuff. There's still quite a lot of slashes, but we're definitely getting less slashes now. You're getting more into those sequels, as you're saying. And into all of that comes stage fright. So we're getting towards the end, as we're saying, of the slasher boom. You're going to get a lot of stuff in 98, uh, sorry, 1988 and 1989 going, you know, with Nightmare on Elm Street and Jason and Halloween and all of, you know, all of the stalwarts. But you're really going to stop getting as much original content and it's going to die out mostly until Scream is going to come around, which we've already covered. So why this is interesting is here comes Stage Fright, directed by Michael Savi. And this is the guy who also did Cemetery Man or De La Morte De La More, which is a really cool fucked up film with Rupert Everett as a grave digger who falls in love with this woman and it's really crazy, very surreal, cheap and arty and very European. And I am in. Cool. What? Written by George Eastman, uh, who was called Lou Cooper at the time, who was written, I love, I love this, Porno Holocaust, Hard Sensation, yes. Erotic Nights of the Living Dead. Yes. And to be fair, a whole bunch of other stuff, but I purposely picked those three wow. films. Because they're clearly the best. And we got dialogue by Sheila Goldberg, who did Body Count and Zombie 5, Killing Birds. These are Italian people. They've got different names that they keep changing with, with their sort of American names and their Italian names. And I do appreciate, much like when we talked about Halloween 1, when John Carpenter wrote The Spookies, he brought in um, Deborah Hill to write the dialogue, the female's mm -hmm. dialogue, you know. Deepied by Renato Tafuri, who's done loads of stuff, but it's all pretty much Italian-based, so I don't really know any of it, I'm afraid. Uh, music by Guido Anelli and Simon Boswell. I think Simon Boswell's... And Stefano Mainetti is also down here, but I think Simon Boswell is the main person here because he's on the soundtracks that I've checked out, mm -hmm. uh, who's done Demons 2, Phenomena, Delirium, Shallow Grave, the Danny Boyle film. So I've covered him before on a Danny Boyle retrospective that no one listened to. Uh, Jack and Sarah, which is a little personal favorite of mine with, uh, what's his face in it? Goddamn. Richard E. Grant and Samantha oh, Morton. Oh, he's great. And everybody hates this film. It's also got Judy Dench in it. What? And lo loads of great people. Remember I showed it to you and you couldn't believe how terrible it was. I don't remember I this. I love it. It's the one with the father. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. With the baby. It's and then he falls terrible. for the American nanny. It completely made sense that you loved this when you were like 14 or something. And then I you still just love it. carried this candle with you your whole life. So I had the, such a big crush on Samantha Morton because of this film. Watching then, yeah, it, I was like completely understand 14-year-old Al loving this film. <laughs> I was fucking crazy about it. It's and I liked so it because weird. of that and because of Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater. Very different films. 
And then, um, and then last year when we were doing Starfish at um, the Brooklyn Horror Festival, she suddenly was at a Q&A for like one of the films that I was at and I had no idea. And I like texted a programmer who's our sales agent. I was like, what the fuck? How, how did you not tell me Samantha Morton was going to be here? And he's like, I didn't know you'd care. Samantha was gonna... And then she was standing next to me at the bar and I wanted to talk to her so badly, but I couldn't do it. You didn't do it? What? Well, no, because I was like, I texted him and I went, should I go up to her and just tell her I love Jack and Sarah? <laughs> Why not? I guarantee no one ever says that to her. She would love it. You should do no, no, it. I did, you should have done I it. I tweeted at her afterwards, but she, does, she doesn't reply. She's all political on, mm. online only. This guy also did the music for Lord of Illusions, which is Clive Barker's film. And he did Hackers. Remember that? Gem. Mm. I believe yep. has Shannon's love in it, doesn't it? Is he in Hackers? No, he's not. Oh, yeah, Matthew he is. Lillard is in Hackers? Yeah, isn't he? Isn't he in Hackers? Do I need to? Angelina Jolie is with her beautiful little sexy pixie haircut, oh. as is... What's his face? Fuck. Johnny Lee Miller. You know what I would participate in? Yeah, Matthew Lillard's in it. Yeah. I would participate in a Matthew Lillard retrospective. And I, I know mean, that that is. includes Scream. So It is horror-based. Mm-hmm. But, like, I would get into that. There's the Scooby-Doo one. The I mean, yep. Oh, fuck. Yep. Scary. Fine, there's no way. There's no way. I find him insufferable, I'll be honest. Spoilers for our Scream podcast. What? SLC Punk's pretty Matthew scary. Matthew Lillard drives Come me up the crate. SLC the Punk. Wall. Is my everything. And that's all you guys ever have. All you ever have from Matthew Lillard is SLC Punk. Like uh, nothing else. I always remember him from Scream, to be honest. I mean, yeah. it is true. I fell in love with him at SLC Punk. That is that is the Matthew Lillard of my choice. Hey, Matthew. You're I out like there. when he cries. Is that weird? Ah, oh, it's no. so good. Because it doesn't seem real. No matter what, I'm like, I don't believe it. It's <laughs> just funny. Not acting. <laughs> I know. <laughs> His whole oh, face That's like what... squishes into itself. I don't even know how he does that. Oh, he's amazing. Like he's made of Play-Doh. It's so good. It's so good. Matthew Lillard, I love you. You're so weird. <laughs> so Simon Possible also did the music for The War Zone, which is really good. There's a film directed by Tim Roth. That's very dark. <laughs> Shannon. <laughs> this film is starring Barbara Capusti as Alicia, David Brandon as Peter, Domenico Fiore as police chief, Robert Gligorov as oh, Danny. This is exciting listening to you. <laughs> Just to be clear, all of these actors' names actually have question marks after them. Uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radice as Brett, <laughs> Klein Parker as Irving Wallace, and Lodana Parella as Corine. I don't know many of the things these people have done around it. I checked it all out. doesn't mean much to me, I'm afraid. Sorry. It was well, budgeted. David Brandon was in 102 Dalmatians. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. That's one too many. Yeah. I prefer to keep it at 101. Thank you. Yeah, budgeted. It depends what you believe. Uh, I saw a making off thing where they said it was half a million on IMDb and on most sites it's down as $1 million. With inflation, I guess half a million from back then could be about a million by this point. Holy moly. So I'm not sure. I don't know how much it grossed. I couldn't find that information anywhere and I looked for it. I mean, there's really nothing else I can do. I Googled it and nothing came up. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if it was just because... Well, like you said, it has so many reviews and I wonder if it just became like a later cult favorite. Oh, for sure. So, okay. So this film goes under many names, uh, which is one of the reasons why 2014 is not really a remake of this. It's also known as Deliria. It's also known as Scene Horror, Bloody Bird. uh, And its main name is really Aquarius. That's how cool horror people like to talk about it. I like to call it Stage Fright because that's what's on the box. And I think Stage Fright's a cool name. Uh, Aquarius is cool too, I guess, but I don't really know what it has to do with anything. Yeah. Other than the age of Aquarius. The greatest age. Mm -hmm. It was shot in May 1986 for six weeks. So here's the thing, guys. Very, very quickly, because I'm not an expert in this. Now, 
a lot of people can get criticized, including myself, for loving slasher films and not paying respect to the originators of slasher films. And as we talked about, whodunits are a big one. Um, Agatha Christie novels. Obviously, Psycho is a big uh, originator of slasher movies as well. And Giallos. Now, Giallos were technically crime novels. I'm doing this all off the top of my head. So, Giallo lovers, they're very passionate. And they're going to be very upset with any slight thing that I get wrong. So I apologize. But this is more me not explaining it to the audio audible listeners. Explaining it uh, really to Shannon. Because I don't know if you know about Giallo. I know Googled nothing. It. You Googled it. Did I you look it up? I only know yeah. what Katie told me from the Googles. Oh, there you go. Well, then, you know, almost as much as I do with people shouting at me occasionally for getting things wrong. Uh, but essentially, they were these books on crime novels in Italy uh, that were encased in yellow covers. Giallo literally means yellow in, in Italy. And then they influenced and became this whole movement of movies, mostly in the 70s. There were some, I think, late 60s. And they still go on now, to be fair. But the real sort of heyday of it was just pre preluding the American slasher films. And there's tons and tons and tons of them. Uh, Mario Bava is a huge uh, person between it. Um, Fulci, I don't think Fulci. Fulci was more the zombies. But yeah, Dario Argento is probably the biggest name in the giallo movement and he's the guy who originated like suspiria mm. which obviously just had its remake and phenomena and just yeah loads loads of films it's never really been to my taste i've i know people who love them i get why people love them i think actually shannon might enjoy it more but maybe we're going to find out not from how she is reacting to stage fright but they are much more surreal mm-hmm. they're much more kind of artistic for sure than the american slasher in how they're handled. They have obviously a European flair to them. There's a bit of sort of mysticism and they really come from a more detective angle. So quite often you would follow the policeman in these things. There's kind of a mm. weird mix between a police procedural, but where you're then also getting these sort of masked killers who are normally going into houses to kill scantily clad women. And since they're in European films, there'd be quite a lot of nudity. Mm-hmm. And they really did put a lot into the blood and gore, but it would be quite, quite beautiful and quite artistic in the right hands. Uh, particularly in a film like Suspiria, where there's some stunning DP work in those films, whether you like them or not, costumes can be great. The set design can be beautiful. Lots of bold colors. And then lots of films like Friday the 13th, the original one in 1980, stole like the Kevin Bacon kill and other kills like, uh, I think it's Kevin Bacon one. The one where they get impaled. And a lot of the kills were stolen directly from the Giallo films. Mm-hmm. Um, so while everyone goes, well, it was Halloween or Black Christmas, Halloween, and then Friday the 13th. But no, they, a lot of them took a lot from the Giallo films. However, a lot didn't as well. I feel a lot of them, it was just the natural route that things were on. It just took one person to be influenced and then other people would because a lot of these American directors didn't really have access to the Giallo films at that point. Import and export was difficult in that era. But yeah, for sure, they play an incredibly important role in the evolution of slashes and to get us to what we've been talking about this entire season. So it was only fitting that we go out with this because what's so interesting about this is we're in 1987, getting to the end of the American original golden age of slasher movies and in comes italian people an italian director who has worked under dario gento as a second unit director for many years so he's been trained up as a protege of that style written uh music dp the actors lots of them are all aficionados who have like been a part of their giallo movement and now they're going to get to make a film that's targeted for american audiences where everyone's going to speak in english and it's not going to be dubbed and it's not going to be subtitled. This was not dubbed. This was not dubbed. Well, there's dubbed and then there's dubbed. So yeah. there's dubbed as in it was spit, you know, in Italian and then someone else came in. And then there's voiceover overdubbing where you come in to redo your voice afterwards. Now, it should be said with Italian films in that time and even a lot of giallo, giallos, they didn't record the dialogue on set. Like a lot of those films, what? they recorded stuff later. 
So wow. it's why you get that dubbing feel. This was wow. a film where they tried not to do that. They were very proud. They were forcing people to speak English. There's a lot of weird accents in this film because of that. And there is some, yeah, there is definitely some dubbing yeah. <laughs> in this film, but nowhere near as much as there used to be. Mm. So this is really them trying to embrace what they liked about the giallos and take it into what they're liking from the American movies and bring them together into this different mm. kind of beast, which it definitely is. I think Stays Fright, for better or worse, has a different flavor to it than everything else we've talked about. For sure. Absolutely. Good, good. All right, there you go. There's the brief and probably completely eschewed history lesson. If you're upset, mail at weirdgeeks.com. If you're really upset, fuck you at weirdgeeks.com. Mm-hmm. Don't stop shouting it out. Whatever you do, <laughs> yeah, please. just keep shouting. Just All he has time for is listening to you complaining. So yep. I'm happy. I'm happy to do it. Mm-hmm. And even if you really like it, just like do it in all caps so it's still like shouting. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so just to be clear, I have seen this before, but it was a long time ago. I remembered very little of it other than Albert face. Yeah. So good. And you guys have never seen this before. Mm, Definitely not. New. As we go through this film, we're going to get to the end of it. Then Shannon's going to let us know how many of the boxes on her completely tailor-made Mm-hmm. beautiful huge bingo scorecard she's got hanging up behind her right now how many lights are gonna light up how many are gonna go off only sloan knows yeah only sloan turn the boxes <laughs> <laughs> oh man so we start in black on titles and we hear some weird noises and a cat squealing <laughs> and then we see a dirty street with a hooker working on it yeah, oh, yeah. with a mom for hair I didn't I didn't get that they were cat sounds until like far too long. So I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Shannon was already getting scared just by the yeah. she was just going, Oh no. Oh no. Oh, what no. is this? What, what is this? What is that? Oh uh, no. Sounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to which one. I think when we get to wrap up next week you have to say which one also upset you the most. Oh, I <laughs> feel like can... that's clear. I can tell you already which one to Yeah. Okay. okay. So a feather falls in front of the hooker. And then hands from the darkness reach out and strangle her. And then out of nowhere, music kicks in. People are coming to investigate. Uh, It becomes an 80s music video. A man dressed in black with an owl's mask just leaps from the darkness. So great. So good. owl. And it should be known that this, like, the actress at the very beginning is, like, a best, one of the best Debbie Harry knockoffs I've ever seen. It's so good. She's like straight from a Blondie music video like with that crimp oh, hair. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone starts dancing. It's revealed we're on a theater stage. My favorite thing is the Marilyn Monroe yeah. girl playing saxophone. Oh, playing the yeah. sax. Which your description of this film wanting to marry Giallo with like American audiences and things now just makes that even so much better for me it's like what is america like (laughs) marilyn monroe it's true we do (laughs) this is a fucking play i would go and see just to be clear i know like i would i don't know why no one's putting this on i would go and see this well if you're a playwright You should just write this play that this I guy I don't know. Was Throughout making. this whole movie, I was just getting flashbacks of some of the terrible productions that I was a part of. Shannon was having serious PTSD during this I, film. I really was. I was like, I've been in this play. I have been in this play. I know that director. I've had that director like, the whole way. <laughs> no one can leave the theater. Oh my God, I've done this. This is why I've been looking forward to this episode because, yeah, Shannon, you got a big background in, in doing theater stuff and in Chicago, which in the in the not remake remake that we're going to get to, 
there, a lot of those are Chicago actors who have been mm-hmm. brought in to do that. Like, it's um, yep. excited. Yeah, they strip the owl man down to his white lycra costume and then the director steps in. He's very displeased. Yeah. yeah. Not a happy director. Not good enough leaping. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, no, he gets it, mad about the, the hooker. Yeah. Like, well, he's he, not gives yeah. One of the best, he gives one of the best like Harvey Weinstein-esque uh, oh, notes right. a director can give. Be more of a whore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Again, I'm also pretty sure I've gotten that note before. Just saying. <laughs> in real in real life or in a play? Just like on play. the street. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just someone who's driving by. <laughs> just winds their window down. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he wants the whole thing to be more erotic. And then the victim is meant to rape her own oh, murderer. I freaking... I mean, it's ahead of its time, really. I'm telling you what. Really I mean, I have done a lot of weird plays. And uh, I did one <laughs> that I'm specifically thinking of where there was like, I don't know, a lot of dry humping on stage. And, and then like I was meant to kill the guy and all the things. So it was kind of like I was raping because he was going to kill me. So it was kind of like I was raping my murderer. It was very strange. But then I ended up killing him in that play. In the play. It was called Svetlana. It was great. I was wonderful in it. I told my parents they couldn't come see it. All right. All right. Put the cap in your night quill. <laughs> this, uh, this one's called The Night Owl. And he's got an investor business businessman who is definitely dubbed. Yeah. Who just looks like a, a, a detective in any other film. He looks yeah. like he's straight out of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, he really does. Oh, he does. I fucking love him because he's just like, this is how a businessman, it's just this cartoon kid's yeah. idea of a businessman on set would have a suit business, and a hat business, and carry business. a briefcase yeah. of money around yeah. with him just at all Just cold, time. hard cash. He's the producer. It's like the costumer, director, everyone, all they saw was like, oh, we know what the producers are. Like, let's yeah. just make him look like he's from the producers. <laughs> Yeah, whereas the director just looks like gaunt and disheveled yeah. and angry and does a lot of like, like a director things. Yeah. Again, yeah. like a director, mm-hmm. <laughs> that tracks. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stereotypes are not incorrect here. Yeah, yeah. Other than the investor thinks that the erotic angle is pushed too far, but too the sexy. director wants to push it more. Mm-hmm. We have some cat cruelty as he picks up a cat by the scruff of its neck, and I'm not happy about that. Nope. His cat's all the way through the film. The cat is dubbed though. Like the cat, I pr- it's probably fine. I keep waiting for it to be, yeah, a big plot point. No. Nope. So Alicia, she's in the rear, in the lead role, and she's broke, so she really needs it. And then the director calls for Sybil uh, to come in. We've got a British girl. There's, I mean, there's a lot of characters. I'm not going to be able to go through them all because so many people in this film. Yeah. Like, just a lot. And at least they are all very different. So I do, mm-hmm. when I'm watching the film, I'm not confused, but relaying it is a little hard. Mm-hmm. We've got a British girl, though, who's learning that she's pregnant. Uh, who tells her boyfriend, don't worry, it's not the first time. Yeah. And she and her boyfriend have the same haircut, so it's easy to know they're a couple. Yep. Yes. And her yep. boyfriend looks so much like Sting. It's, yeah, it's true. Oh, he does, yeah. Sting, yeah. he's straight from the uh, police music June. video. Yep. Then we got this fantastic gay guy who's playing the killer owl. Uh, he's pretty great. He's he is pretty great. Which is definitely, like, yeah, you're right, that is definitely nodded to it in the next one, which is, yeah. It's very strange. What? Maybe they just have a problem. Oh, that it's well, a we'll gay guy? It. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've got a bookish librarian girl who does nothing but sits on steps and reads books and looks very timid <laughs> for pretty much the whole film. There's Betty, who's Alicia's friend. She's superstitious. She's the makeup girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's the makeup girl. Super- doesn't really play into anything that she's superstitious, but 
character building. Right. And then they, yeah, then they bring in this, they're like rehearsing the next scene and it's just a fucking, it's like a crazy rape scene. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like it's like every actress wants to hear your director go, let's run through the rape scene one more time. <laughs> right. Well, but also whenever they show it, they're like lifting her up. It's like she's doing, she's not getting raped. She's doing a keg stand. Like it's yeah. very strange. <laughs> yeah. Artistic, artistic rape. Yeah. Um, at least it's hurt her ankle from the opening that we saw from not being whorish enough. Uh, so her friend Betty convinces her to sneak away to the hospital together, and this is what we learned. Yet the director. another one of my favorite station wagons. Mm-hmm. Telling you oh, what, yeah. all these films—it's just solidified my need for a station wagon. It's, Do you not it's have my a name. station wagon. No, she I have more. An SUV. The wagon are not the same. No, uh, I don't know. Not I don't know. Did you say the word close. wagon? Not even. Goodness, I just lost a relationship. Yeah, I was going to say, we're having um, a couple spat over station wagon. <laughs> Don't worry. When we go to the vintage car lot, I'll show you the difference. <laughs> good. So this is where we learn that the director has definitely slept with Alicia, um, oh, yeah. but she doesn't want to share him with the others. I think there's a weird throwaway line about that. Mm-hmm. She's like, she doesn't want him to sleep with the others. Um, so he's all upset with her. And this is why he's pissed with her or something. And then we're just going to cut to a criminal, I think. We really don't learn much. I think a criminal is being wheeled yeah. away on a stretcher at a, at a mental institute by two cops. It's, it's St. Mary's Psychiatric Ward. So I'm thinking this is where Billy from Silent Night, Deadly Night comes from. We're back yeah. at St. Mary's, guys. Oh, there we go. The home of all problems. Fucking it's also where Michael Myers is being held. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're introduced here to a lionfish in a oh, big... Yeah big aquarium mm-hmm. with a nurse who's really into it as sexy synth score plays i mean i really i was like i'm into this like watching this fish eat this thing i'm kind of into it with the nurse <laughs> you just wanted that's the rest of the film yeah no one, like no one has a carnivorous pet that isn't excited to watch them consume other animals like that predatory yeah. thing where it's like your own little petri dish of watching the Discovery Channel. You're just I mean, like, all the well, tortoises already... eats are lettuce. It's not entertaining. Because even when I had a, a tarantula, you try body I got a little bit of joy out of watching it destroy crickets. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. That upsets me. I don't. I, crickets, I mean, the, so. we're already getting so many of these little. <laughs> <They're> the worst. <laughs> we're already getting so many of these little moments, which are definitely giallo style like things. So, like you can tell, there's probably something there to do with the fish that was a metaphor for the director in some oh, way. Oh, hundred percent. But also. It just looks pretty. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, it's sort of this half, for me anyway, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, there's a lot of half-baked intellectual ideas in yeah. Giallo, which basically feed into, well, it's aesthetically pleasing. And I'm fine with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just it, setting a mood, which I like. Yeah. It kind of goes back to like what they're talking about, about this play that they're creating. At one point, he calls it an intellectual musical. I was like, yeah. huh? Do those exist? I feel like this is like their intellectual horror film, if you will. Well, you know, let's make it artsy make... and full of metaphor- metaphors. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get to an intellectual musical next, but we'll, we'll wait. Oh. I'm telling you what, though, the costume design is on point. I love mm-hmm. it. I'm into it. Those tights are great. So good. No, just like that blue balloon dress that yeah. Oompa Loompa girl's wearing. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. This um, tank, this fish tank play, it's in the main poster for the film as well. I think there's like oh, really? a head in it or something. It's getting, no, it's getting like smashed to pieces. The glass of the aquarium oh. and all this water is like coming out. All right. Which I don't know why, because that's not in the film. I mean, it's definitely something symbolic for the director then. Yeah. Yeah. So our actress and her friend turn up and the nurse quite rightly tells them, 
Excuse me, ladies. This is a psychiatric hospital. I was waiting. I was like, why are we going into the nut house to check your ankle out? What well, her friend heck? is like, a doctor's a doctor, right? And it's the closest one. So. Right. I was like, okay, we're really, we're really working this just plot gonna, point. Yeah. Just going to go to a dentist to go. I got real problems with my shins today. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But no, they're fine because then a creepy doctor comes along and goes, what's happening here, ladies? Oh, With no, these don't worry. pretty ladies. What are yeah. they doing here? I can help. I'm fascinated in intellectual plays. So right? What like... kind of dancing do you do? Uh-huh. Here, just let me massage your leg and ankle a Oh, my God. Bit. His hands get all the way up to her ass at one oh, point. Oh, yeah. It's that is nuts. like, buddy, that's not where my ankle is. That's not no. where my ankle is. That's not no. where my ankle is, buddy. No. Well, I mean, it can be said he's not a real doctor, so he doesn't that's know. True. Yeah. That's he's true. like, I'm like, just making friend. sure. Don't He's know. one of the patients at the mental institute. <laughs> <laughs> he just put on a robe. Right. And her friend is just there like, no big deal. Yep. All caress right. her ass. I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> yeah. Well, she doesn't react either. So yeah, nothing. It's just uh, like, okay. okay. Maybe that's European how directors. medicine works in Italy. And that's Maybe. what it is. Every <laughs> it's shot, always applied for the ass. <laughs> right. Every shot you get a good ass caressing. Alicia on her way to the ass caressing passes the guy that we saw earlier in the stretcher who's just breaking out. He's just breaking loose of his yeah, yeah. his shackles for no reason and well, no one seems to Maybe notice. you don't use the like very stretchy linen fabric to tie someone down yeah. and you get yeah. some actual handcuffs up in there. It's a psychiatric they hospital. Weird, they have this weird like connect, connecting moment where they sort of see each other, which is very important because without that shot, I mean, it doesn't make much sense anyway, this film, but it makes literally no sense without that one shot of them looking at each other. You're like, okay, now he's into her for some reason. Yeah. Meanwhile, the director's pissed because she snuck off. And we're going to get a reveal. It's the guy's name is Irvin Wallace is the guy who's breaking out, basically. Uh, he's an actor as well because there aren't already enough actors in this film. Right. Hey, you can never have enough actors. Yes, you can. Can't confirm too many <laughs> actors. Particularly his friends, by the way. It's a nightmare. Don't try it. <laughs> Irvin Wallace is an actor who went berserk and killed people and then chopped them up and apparently killed 16 people. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of people. That's like at least the first three Jason movies combined. And they still don't put real handcuffs on him. Yeah. Brilliant. Like, ah, he only killed 16. If he'd killed 17, maybe we'd get the handcuffs out. We'd spring for some handcuffs. Right. How are you guys? Because, look, let's be clear. A lot of the acting is really bad in this film, Mm -hmm. but it's in such a weird, different way. If you know what I mean? There's like, they're really trying. Yeah, it honestly, the acting itself didn't really bother me because we're getting the weird like voice dubbing and things like that anyway. So it's already weird and off-putting and like everyone's wearing relatively garish makeup and their costumes are crazy. So the not great acting almost fits the vibe, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't. You know, it's not like how we've talked about Jamie King being um, the world's worst actress over and over and over <laughs> again, where she's so bad because you can see her trying so hard and just like, and it's just not, she just doesn't even know what the fuck she's doing, right? These people don't know what the fuck they're doing, but they're also not, I don't feel like they're like trying to make themselves cry. They're not trying to make anything happen. They're just in this moment if that makes mm-hmm. sense and it's yeah. all weird yeah. and it's all artsy and whatever so it kind of works yeah yeah yeah. uh sure i'm, a, I'm on board for this <laughs> put it's it like on the box madonna yeah, put just, on an italian play i love it yeah it just it didn't bother me it fit it, it like fit everything yeah no i, I understand what you're saying i agree 
Um, and it's these little moments for me, like you see the camera, it goes through the bars of Irvin's room, which I'm not even really mm-hmm. sure how they did it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a nice little touch that I think is easy to miss. But it, again, shows the director's thinking, which are things which I'm always looking for in any film. It's that people are thinking, the writers, the directors, the actors. But then we get this hilarious shot as we see Irvin stole away in the back of their car. Yeah. Like they drive yeah. back to the place and he just suddenly appears after they get out in this very funny <sighs> reveal. Mm-hmm. And Alicia gets back to find out that Laurel has now taken over her lead role. What she a bitch. is fired. Yeah, but what I mean, a bitch. it's kind of validated. You can't just leave in the middle of rehearsal and not tell anyone. Uh, you also, ankle. she hurt her ankle. Like, she needed who to get her ass felt up manager? by a strange God doctor. damn it. But she didn't even tell him that she hurt her ankle. She just left. That's true. Listen, I agree she's not going through the proper procedures, and I don't think this play is union. So, you know, <laughs> clearly nothing is being taken care of here. There are lots of problems I have with the on the production side of this play. That there's open on. fire for one. <laughs> yeah, there's open fire. Two <laughs> there are trash cans of open, open fires. fires. Uh-huh. I didn't notice that to the end. I was like, what the fuck is happening? In yeah, here? well, the, the maintenance guy before he leaves is like, hey, just make sure you put them fires out. And I'm like, <laughs> like the stage yeah. that they're performing this on is not like we're not in a theater. We're in a sound stage. Yeah, that's yeah. just like epically large. I don't really understand what is happening yeah, yeah, on yeah. a production side for this play. It's like at one point I write, is this porn? The musical? Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> It'd be great to film though this actual movie because yeah everything's just in this one room pretty much. Yeah. Other than that one little excursion we just had is all in here. Yep. So yeah, the friend goes back to the car. She gets taken. She's got uh, by a huge pickaxe to the mouth. This is yeah. no, this is not on my bloody Valentine pickaxe. This is a fucking yeah, like a giant's pickaxe. Yeah, yeah it crazy. Was very big. insane. And much like a video game, she drops the key to the theater. Yep. I wonder if you this know, is a nod to the remake as well. Because as we'll see, there's some like in, is it? No, Mini Driver gets it in the throat. Yeah, but it's not the same. She gets it in the throat the too. Yeah, yeah, true. But with a blade, not with the pickaxe. Yeah, yeah but we'll I'm just saying. Yeah, the we'll idea. So Alicia finds her friend, and this is where I'm surprised. And this is where I think the Giallo comes more into play. Because your normal arc in a slash movie is people are going to, you introduce the villain, you introduce the characters, people are going to start being picked off one by one, but no one's going to know. And it's mm-hmm. over a very short amount of time normally. No one's going to find out till later, till it's too late and it's already crazy and then you've got to try and survive. And during that period, you might be finding out some back history on the killer or whatever. Right. However, in a giallo, because they're more police detective stories, you're going to find those murders. And that's what happens straight away. And I do find that I loved it. really shocking. Shannon I, exclaimed. I wrote, she was so happy. She's like, someone actually called the cops. They called the police. <laughs> like it is in big, bold print in my notes. They, they actually called the cops. Like, holy and shit. And more than two policemen showed up. Like, right? this never happens. Yep. And there's news crews. I was yeah. like, great. If this is the movie, I'm into it. <laughs> it's just safety for the rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Every, all the procedures done correctly. It's society. It's just to see where this play goes. <laughs> yeah, so the police are there. The body's been taken away. The director then tells the investor. Instead of opening in a week, we should open in three days' time and use this right. death to help the show because they really need to win. Mm-hmm. The janitor decides I'm out. <laughs> the police just let him go. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, did someone just die? I'm just going to slink off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. The director then tells the bookish girl, lock the door and hide the key and don't even tell him where it is. Yeah. Don't want to know. Yeah. And then, like, keep proceeds to use his old school snuff box for some coke. 
Classy. Yes. I know. I was like, who's got a snuff box? That's amazing. Directors. <laughs> directors too. That's that'll be your next uh, director's gift. Snuff box out. Yeah. Snuff box. It's gonna be full of sherbet. Yeah. <laughs> no, just so. uh, the pixie sticks does. That's a little bigger. Now, in one of the most impossible scenes that I've ever seen, and I've seen many impossible scenes, the director convinces everybody yeah. to stay. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be surpassed in the, in the sort of remake, but we'll get it. To stay and keep working on the play because, well, they all need the money. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to change the play to reflect what just happened so that Al will now be Irvin Wallace. Oh, my God. And as he's doing this, the investor is literally counting money out of a briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which is fantastic. I mean, to be fair, I have never been involved in a theater production like so extreme where someone dies and it's like we have to keep working on this play. But I have certainly been involved in productions where like shit is going wrong and the director does have like this similar speech of like, okay, guys, we really got to get this together and we're going to, you know, we're going to work in on this for this period of time, like all of the things. So this speech, although it is extreme because clearly someone was just murdered, I was also like, this doesn't seem that outlandish to me. I know this director. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think in most slasher films, you have this moment and it's a contrivance. Here, it feels like it's a commentary. And I don't know if I'm smart enough to necessarily, or if the the, the language of the film is conveyed well enough to understand exactly what the director's trying to say, but it definitely feels like there's commentary here Mm -hmm. rather than just a contrivance to keep everyone in one place. Right. Yeah. Well, because I think because of the idea of like, hey, we're going to use, we're using this murder as a marketing tool. That's where I go, okay. I buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then also to use it as a ploy for the other actors to say that they're honoring their friend's death, you know, and pushing forward. And it's, it's very interesting what people need to motivate them Mm -hmm. for things. Well, yeah. Cause everyone wants to keep going because they want the money and they want the fame and they know, yeah, it's going to sell more tickets if you do this. Yeah. Weird close-ups of the director clenching his fist (laughs) in frustration whenever they contradict him. It's like, God damn it, people. (sighs) I want to punch them so bad. Yeah, why won't the unions let me punch my actors like the good old days? I mean, he could punch them. This is not a union production. No, it's absolutely true. <laughs> but what what I don't understand is why does he insist that Alicia is there? He just fired her. So what's her role? I don't know. I mean, this is where it started to get confusing for me. This is where it started to get confusing. I mean, yeah, but only from... Because there are things that we've seen in other slasher movies where they're throwing out red herrings of who could the killer be, who could the killer be, who could the killer be, right? So Mm -hmm. for me, this moment is like a red herring moment, but we already know who the killer is, so it doesn't matter. Does that make sense? Him wanting to keep everyone there, particularly someone that like he's already fired, I was kind of like, oh, do you want to make sure this bitch dies? Is that what's happening? Yeah, this is a whodunit that's ruined it by trying to also ape Halloween, where you know who the killer is yeah. from the beginning. And this one's trying to play it both ways, and that doesn't work. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I agree. you got to pick. Because, yeah, there's no doubt, right? We know it's Evan. Well, I mean, if, yeah. unless they do a crazy twist at the end, which, yeah, doesn't right. happen. Which is what I was thinking maybe they were setting us up for something like that. But, right. yeah. But yeah, I just don't understand why he'd want Alicia. He fires her. She's got no role in the play anymore. I don't know why he wants her there, but whatever. The new lead girl... She's told to go to the wardrobe and find something sexy yeah. to wear. So she undresses, but then she hears something. So finishes 
in a stall and we get this crazy top down wide line shot which yeah. is pretty cool mm-hmm. and shannon gets to tick a box can we get some boobs Boobies! we get a very which at first was different like, view of boobs yeah we did. yeah top down top down and at first i was like oh they're not gonna show boobs because they really cut around it and then you sort of see it for a split second in reflection i had written down i wonder if shannon will count that and then suddenly they do the top down like no there you go yeah interesting she wants the person who's by the door that she'll scream so then she fucking screams right she's oh a boy. good little screamer she does Wait, have what? a good scream Woo! and the others just come yeah. very unusual for a slasher i wrote down shannon's probably very happy people are doing the appropriate things i a hundred percent i was so happy i was like they've called the police she's <laughs> screaming for help and people actually come to help her like hey so far this logically tracks for me <laughs> <laughs> Brett, the guy who plays the owl killer uh, in the play, can't find his costume. So he gets the spare one. But as he bends over, we see the owl behind him. <gasps> Every time that we turn, like, there's a, a sudden movement of the camera and there's just the owl guy standing there from this point forward, I cannot help but laugh. I find this, at first, I found this outfit really scary. And then, but the way that they frame their shots when they just turn around, and he's like, duh, and he's yeah. right there. It's just so in the face of it that it's no longer ominous. And I just laughed every time. Yeah. Yep. But Agreed. I love the owl guy. I love him. Yeah, At I one really point, I like started it, singing the Tootsie Roll pop song. Yes. How when Shannon started doing that, it kind of dissipated all of the horror yeah. in the room. Yeah, I can yep. see what I would happen. One, two, three. <laughs> I don't well, know if I like, I mean, I don't really know. find, I find it hard to find these films scary, but I do find, I do find his imagery is, is quite haunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, would I agree. do like it. And I like the way he walks around at the end of the film. This bit here is an actually, it's a nod to Dario Gento's Tenebrae with the guy bending over and then he's right behind. And I love that he's just there the whole time. Like you can see him, but you don't really notice him because he's so, his head's so wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you can't really hide behind people. But no, it's really cool. And it definitely feels very different from anything America would do. You can tell there's a European influence with that. Like, yeah. you're not going to get a nice owl head. So Irvin has replaced Brett. And we can't do the rehearsal scene as the director gets Irvin. Man, what? Irvin has replaced Brett. And we can't rehearsal scene as the director gets Irvin to kill the actress as everyone watches. And right. then he runs yeah, away. Because they're yeah. rehearsing a scene where it's a death in the musical. Right. Right. And yeah. they and like the director is screaming at who he thinks is Brad in the owl costume oh, yeah. to come like, was like you're on. Ooh, it's your ooh, cue. Me? It's your cue. Ooh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so then Irving at that we know is now the owl is like taking his theatrical debut. Yes, murder actor. He's like, yes, yes, kill yes. her more. Kill. He's like, okay. Right. Uh, but this is, and this is also where like all the logic that they've like been using is now out the window because everyone just watches it happen. Everybody everyone just, just watches there. it happen and then, and does nothing to stop it. And then Irving, the killer just like scampers off and nobody goes <laughs> after him. No. They're all like, and there's a Let's lot of be people here for this woman's dying moments instead of, I don't know, dealing with the fucking murderer we just saw. Yep. Like what the, what the fuck? <laughs> well, no, it's craziness. Also when they're trying to get out of her, instead of helping her, they're like, where's the key? <laughs> yeah. They're just yeah. screaming at her. Uh, and this is yeah cause so she's the one who, only one who knew the keys that are all locked in here now but yeah this is one of those scenes where you, you write it down on paper and you're like this is a cool scene like you're gonna have the killers been replaced you know replaced the actor mm-hmm. and he's gonna kill them on stage while everyone's watching but then some point either during filming 
definitely by editing you're like oh this doesn't work <laughs> like at some point yeah like no this isn't how it would happen and i just too love close, the face someone when would... they're like brad and then he's just yelling at him he's like brad and the guy just like finally turns he's like what and you, even Ooh. under the mask you could see him being like yeah oh oh okay <laughs> He's yeah, just like I mean, walking right. tentatively onto the stage. To be fair, we don't know like how, you know, within the play they would have originally staged this. You know, like I would buy it if it wasn't for the fact that he's stabbing her over and over again to kill her. Yeah. If it was like yeah. a quick throat slit or something like that and then he's gone, I would 100% buy it because even if that's not the blocking or whatever you've created in the play, this director would totally be like, oh, he's trying something new. That's great. Yeah. You know, where... Or just have him further away. Yeah, right. Just have him further away. Uh, I mean, or I like think he does it and like he grabs her and then some... he drags her in front of some light. So he's like silhouetted or something. Right. So the lights are getting in the way of yeah. it or something, you know. So they can't quite see until a body falls to the floor and something like that. But you know? I, again, I think that there's commentary here about what we perceive as like what our perceptions really are if, between art and reality. And Ooh, yeah. you know, deep. I'm just saying. Uh, music goes crazy and operatic at this point. Like, just there are points in this where it just goes insane. Mm-hmm. All the telephones are dead. The main door's locked. Uh, the investor who's shaking her is so good when he then just freaks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> love it. And then we get this crazy first person shot as Urban shuts off the lights. Yeah, which is they start introducing this kind of we're going to see from his pers- perspective, but it's very erratic. And then the investor gets got. We get blood literally on the money. Yep, always. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then the others are just wandering around with candles. <laughs> just looking for a key. And like a vigil. What is this? What's going yeah, on? Just looking for a key. Like, where could the key be? I mean, it's fucking cute. This place is enormous. You're never finding it. It's a fortress, up. this place. It's yeah, well, that's completely what... falling apart except for the doors. Yeah. yeah. The doors are made so out many... of solid metal. <laughs> right. There were so many things that I was like, this is not how this would work. You're hiding behind a scrim. Like at one yeah. point, whenever they're walking backstage, like it's just, it's not. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, Shannon's turned. <laughs> this is where it starts going off the rails for Shannon. A hundred percent. Just because again, up until this point, they've behaved relatively logically right calling yeah. the police mm-hmm. she screams we come to help like going to a mental institute going- <laughs> for a foot sprain obvious but, but obvious even, choices even the things that are crazy i can kind of buy right because they do a good job of creating reasoning because they're actors for it yeah because they're actors um but this is where it starts to get like okay now now you're just like yeah once you now start really to see Sybil walking around with a giant rock as a weapon, right. things have taken <laughs> a turn. Right. Well, and then it takes them this long to suddenly remember that there's a skeleton key. We have quite a lot of them wandering around before one of them suddenly, oh, yeah. All right. But Alicia's ankle hurts too much. Yeah. <laughs> so she's, she's like, no, I can't leave this it. room now. Which is when Shannon would be like, bye. <laughs> right? Yeah. 100%. I was like, great, you dead, bitch. Which <laughs> I like, appreciate oh, okay. later when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So she waits with most of them, to be honest, while the director then goes off with the pregnant girl's boyfriend to try and find a skeleton key. And he's suddenly regretting everything. Like, there's such a U-turn for this director. Yeah. Where he goes from being an asshole to suddenly like, everything's my fault. Yeah, 100%. I put my, like my, I sold out basically with my art. Yes. And it's all my fault. Yes, you did. Brett, however, he gets got yeah. through the door by a Ooh. drill. Oh. I did not oh. see this coming. Yeah. When the when the owl is going through the like tool shed 
area and he sees this drill bit thing. I was like, who's going to pick that up? It's probably weighs like 90 pounds. Yeah. And you're just going to mm-hmm. lug that somewhere. In a fully stationary position too. <laughs> you, it would like he would have had to know that this situation was going to arise in order to be able to yeah. use this tool. Because <laughs> yeah. otherwise, there's no way that you would ever be able to use this to right. murder somebody. Well, no one's going to stand still vertically against something that you can yeah. like jam this up next Clearly, to them. Clearly, you've never seen the film Driller Killer. <laughs> I mean, oh, the door of this dressing room, though, just has the perfect size hole in it. Yeah. That's just great for his hand to fit through. You yeah. know, can't fit through anything else. But also, I was like, what What the fuck? He's strangling him through the door for like five minutes. Like, yeah. where one woman is literally just, scre- like pregnant bitch is literally just screaming. That's all oh she's doing. God. We're getting close-up shots no, of ridiculous. her screaming instead of, I don't know, maybe the three women that are in the room, like, beating his hand back and, and getting this yep. guy free. Again, this is where it falls apart for me. The women do not do much. No, the women no. don't do shit. And it drives Which me. is the one thing you count on a slasher film. One of the things I like, you know, you can say American slasher films are misogynistic and you might be right. However, they, you know, most of the time will have a strong female who does sort of shit out. Yeah. But the point. female in And this, this film is, doesn't have that. She's got weak ankles. <laughs> uh, well, but, she, but her ass was rubbed. It should be better by now. I know. The director's had enough. He wants to go to the workshop to get what they need to fight their way out. So armed with an axe, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> and this is and where Sybil, Sybil picks up a rock. Yeah. Yeah. But I also appreciated this. It was like, yeah, great. I Go get oh, yeah, yourself some weapons. The director shines a stage light on the owl who's in the rafters. I love this shot. <laughs> He's like, oh. He's yeah. like, oh, how did you, you see me up here? Because like, you have a giant ooh, fucking ooh, ooh. feather head. You yeah. can't hide. Uh-huh. And this is 100% whenever uh, the Tootsie Roll Pop <laughs> references started to come out. But again, ooh, this made me ooh, so happy because normally they would just allow darkness to rule. And instead right. they were like, no, we can find where he is. And there's not yeah. many places yeah. for him to be hiding. And I was like, thank God. This is well, I want refreshing. more of this. Like they're in a they're in a theater. I want more of using the stuff around you right. in the theater. There's more fun you can have with this. Yeah, stuff. they well, and the they have so many weird props. And, like there's freaking yeah. mannequins everywhere. Right. Like there were they created so many opportunities to do cool weird shit fun. that they just didn't do. Well, as we're about to find fun. out, that there's a lot of rafters and things that could be dropped from them when rigging right. and things like that. that The actors would be very familiar with that. You know could have been used yeah. and then a freaking rocks so this is where the rock songs just start oh, kicking yeah. in which just yeah. felt like which maybe it's one of these other people in the credits for music because it just felt like they ran out of music in the editing room like we got this one track yeah bunging in all the places that music's missing because yeah. it's just really inappropriate in places alicia and laura are climbing up some stairs and for some reason i'm not fucking <sighs> i don't understand this laura's climbing up these stairs alicia's following her and then she just starts grabbing laura's ankle and yeah. screams wait for me I know. while she's literally Right behind her. her. You cannot get like any she's closer. Touching already. And so Laura just shakes her loose and Alicia then falls and, not, and somehow knocks herself unconscious. I love like how she was too, her ankle hurt too much to walk down a hallway, but she can climb a fucking ladder. Yeah. This Listen, whole, this whole sequence. I'm with sense. Laurel for this. Yeah. Bitch starts clawing at my ankle and saying, wait for me whenever there's a killer. Uh-uh. Fuck you. I am Don't kicking your me. ass off. <laughs> 
Now, and you don't need like she's not being slow. Like no, they're both going no. at the same speed up no, a ladder. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It made. They're not even going one at a time. It made no sense. This it's again. It's like when someone's drowning and you're trying to help them, they're gonna try and pull you down with them, so you have to kick them loose. This again was a moment where I was like, okay, are we setting up for like some crazy twist where Alicia yeah. is gonna like be in on murders or something like that? Is that what we're setting up for? Because now she's no. been left behind. But no, we're just trying to save her so that we got another person later, right. basically. Right. It's like keep one in the in the in the what's it rafters? Is that what you guys call it? Yeah. In the reserves. Yeah. No, in the yeah, rafters. but she's not in the rafters. She got knocked out. Yeah, That's she's true. still in like a Very weird good. area though, like of the backstage whatever. Yeah, they're kind of up, but not. They're going up to this tiny dank attic room, mm-hmm. which is just sort of below it. It's where they think the owl is, but he's not in there. But there is a guy dressed up in that. Which the director then hacks up and then is immediately like, it's over. Thank God. Right. It's over. <laughs> no, it's Brett. Yep. Just kill Brett. His hands are tied. Ah, shit. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Oh, I love it. it. I love it. Maybe they're just really trying to, to like, Alicia, where we were questioning before why she, why the director kept her there in the first place. And... Then when she gets kicked down from the rafters, it's it's literally like they don't know how to keep her alive otherwise or have her yeah. character yeah. make sense in this film. Like they have to make excuses for her to exist still. Yeah. Yep, yep, because yep. she in this film would not exist unless she was unconscious somewhere. Yeah. Well, because they've created the weakest final girl you possibly so can. Weak. The weakest, most yes. helpless final girl. Yeah. But yes. The killers underneath grab Sybil's ankles because apparently this, these writers just hate girls' ankles through the floorboards. And then the Roxon just kicks back in as there's this like yeah. tug of war yeah. as they up the top are holding onto her and then the killer's holding her below and then a mannequin is ripped into. Yep. Yep. <laughs> With no sound. Like yeah, we're just no meant sound. to think that he like knifed her in half. Yeah. Or yeah. something. Because I was like, no, I think it's just meant to be the pulling. I think they pull so hard. That's ridiculous. Oh, that's ridiculous. No, that's not what it's meant to be, is it? I genuinely think that's what it's meant to be. Well, because in the next scene, we're about to see him with a chainsaw. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it would have made sense if you would have heard a chainsaw and then she gets pulled up in half. But we don't hear anything. So we're meant to assume that, yeah, she got pulled in half or. Right. Her reactions very quickly are also very strange for somebody that is like literally being cut in half. Yeah. Like yeah. she's just kind of going, oh, 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 oh. Right. The daintiest like screaming possible. <laughs> With his feathers. Yeah. <laughs> he's just rubbing his face. <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. And then the boyfriend, he's like, no. So he jumps down into the dark water filled room. I like this room. It could be really spooky. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote down Paul Shannon as the owl fucking chainsaws him to pieces as the others are watching from above. Really cool shot with the down from above shot, though. I liked that. It was actually really And shining the torch down there. Yeah, yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, it's it's creepy. Oh, yeah. See, I was screaming, why do you need to watch it? Why do we got to put light on it? (laughs) Shannon was hiding. (laughs) I was under the blanket. (laughs) It was legitimately quite nasty. It was. It was pretty great yeah this was me watching katie's face instead yeah. of the actual screen yeah i was like to i see- mean i think i think from the, what we've seen that's the nastiest thing we've seen in this yeah. entire season oh really okay, we do. well i didn't uh, see it. i don't know nastier than the water girl the girl that got impaled on the fa- the water spigot well there's some stuff in my blood still find, but it's pretty quick i still find the girl in the wood chipper 
to be <laughs> yeah. pretty dreadful. Oh yeah, no, no, no. That's worse, but that's worse in a different way. Like this genuinely feels a little creepy. Like that's yeah. just like way over the top. Insanity. I think this one's grungier for me, so yeah. it definitely strikes a different chord of horror. In no, for sure, the woodchippers was. Yeah, the woodchippers under the blanket grueling. for everything we've mentioned. <laughs> Shannon's on none of these, so she can't. I'm gonna edit them into a collage for Shannon. <laughs> Every birthday card no. you get, Shannon, you no. should be aware that it no. could just every now and then it'll just no. flash up something no. awful. <laughs> this is now my You want to go and see these films in a 4D cinema where they just like spray blood on your face whenever it happens. Oh my God. I think that's no. the opposite of what Shannon needs. She no. will have actual PTSD. I will I will literally go into shock. <laughs> or you'll just come home and she's taken over our guest room because she can't live alone anymore. <laughs> 100%. I'd be like, this is what you get. She would just is- like ring the doorbell and be like, you, you brought this, this on yourselves. Yep. So we're left with the director and Laura running. The owl's following them. Okay. Uh, he has a little quick chainsaw nudge at Laura just to get her and politely out of the way yeah. for a minute. He Which throws I don't think he do her. He throws her. I think he's meant, he I throws think meant her to be in he front of him. Her. Yeah. He- yeah, but there's this bit where he sort of like nudges his chainsaw against her. Yeah, but. And it's like, it doesn't really, I don't know if it works that way. I think he but. does cut her. With yeah. the chainsaw, uh, like if I'm the killer, I'm going. Well, let's. I would 100 percent be like, I'll deal with this bitch later. Let me Save get. For lost. Let me get uh, this director guy because then at this point yeah. you've killed off all the men, so he would it's be true. thinking. I'm you left know, only with weak things. I'm left only with. Is that what you're insinuating, Shannon? Ankle, weak ankled women. Well, the ladies are literally running around in their underwear and high yeah. heels, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not. I, think, I mean, I think the underwear is really a little well. unfair. I agree with everything you're saying with how women are characterized in this film, but there's very little underwear nudity kind of like. What? I don't know. No, Laura and Sybil are are yeah, literally both in underwear. underwear. Really? Yes, they're the in only underwear one that's and heels. Is the final girl. Yeah, she's the only right. one who has actual clothes on. That's how you know she's the final girl because yeah. they let her put clothes on. Has this faded from my memory already? Somehow, yeah. I don't know how. They were yeah. straight up wearing neither, thongs. Neither Sybil or what? Laurel are wearing pants throughout this entire movie. No. What? Yeah, because yeah. Laura is is meant to be have gotten scared in the shower as she was changing, and she just continues sure. wearing this the rest of the film, like her state of half dress. Yeah. She, no, I, don't notice it. I don't know how I don't notice this stuff. What's perpetuating the same old stereotype that women just forget about pants. Yeah. Whenever they're scared, they, stop they just to get weapons. put pants on. But no pants. Very busy. You want to know what has never happened to me? I have never forgotten to put pants on. My legs get cold. I believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Even to the beach. That's just good Midwest girl (laughs) logic. I'll tell you what. Yeah. (laughs) Your mama should be proud. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to go. I'm going to check this out again before wrap up. Put your pants on. If I'm going to be murdered, I'm going to put my pants on. It's true. (laughs) So, yeah, the director gets got. Now, he fucking takes off his arm. And then yeah. the chainsaw runs out of gas, so he just chops the director's head off with his own axe, yeah. which I love. He just takes the axe that. off of his severed. It's cool. Yeah. Whenever I like that, I was watching through the blankets and I was like, yes, kill him with his own weapon. With his own it's it's a great, like, <laughs> it reminded me of um whenever you're kids and you play that game. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Stop right. hitting yourself. Oh, it's not a game, great. Shannon. Not again. It's war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should mention that, by the way, through all of this, two cops have just been hanging out in oh, a car outside. Comparing the what they're eating yeah. the whole time. Yeah. My wife I just gave me a spinach. Like, that's. I don't, 
Yeah, I did not understand the point of the cutaways to these cops just being Ophi. I kept thinking, like, something's got to happen with them. It nope. was ridiculous. No. It kept no. reminding me yeah, of yeah. the scene in the new Halloween where the two guys are sitting in the car talking about fucking inaccurate Bon Mies. And yep. I was like, this is all that this is for me. It's just this atypical cop's this is all they do or know how to do. But to be fair, they're in a huge soundstage and it's raining. So I do believe they wouldn't necessarily right, know anything yeah. bad's happening inside. No real guns have gone off or anything. The young policeman who's about to say that he looks like James Dean, yep. that's actually the director, director of the film. Oh, funny. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the whole purpose is to show us safety is so close yet so far, right? Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because yeah. you're always expecting them to cut out there and these two guys to have been dead the whole time. Right. And they yeah. never are. But no, it's like, yeah. no, they've, they've actually been alive the whole time. So Alicia's unconscious, but a white feather falls on her face. So she wakes up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. And then she walks around, explores the aftermath. And actual chainsaws more, uh, and people screaming, but a feather wakes her up. Yep. She's yeah. Safe. Yeah. <laughs> she's very dangerous. She explores she's the aftermath. She finds Laura covered in blood in the bathroom. Uh, so here in The Killer Coming, she hides in the shower. We get There's a cool score in this bit, which I like. Mm-hmm. And we get a shower scene. Well, but, but yeah, the shower no wasn't actually running. I didn't count it. Yeah. Yeah, and no nudity. So it's not like an unnecessary shower scene. Yeah. I just also love it's how Laura is literally holding her body together. And when what's her face finds her, she doesn't react. Nothing like, yeah, oh my nothing. God. Well, doesn't like, doesn't help her in any way. Just goes, where is everybody? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, she, like this yeah. final girl is so just like devoid of anything. It's just it's, not there. Yeah. It's so weird. I do like the shot. The owl mask gets pushed against the shower curtains. Pretty yeah. Cool. That yeah. Is cool. And then Alicia just watches Laura get stabbed in front of her. It was pretty nasty. Yeah. So yeah, then Alicia finds lots of keys to a very funky soundtrack and she gets a gun, but none of these keys seem to be working. The film's getting like weirdly sleepy at this point. Yeah. Full emotion. Like Everything is like turned down. Yeah. This is yeah. where I was like, and I can no longer stand this film because the pace yeah. went from like 60 to zero. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's because she's the only one left to carry yeah. the scenes and she's and- been the sleepiest one out of everybody. And now she has all the power, which means no, there agree. is no power. Yeah. It's crazy. And then all the lights come on. The owl's using a reel-to-reel tape playing some music. I think it's Battleship Potemkin he's playing. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's right. And then he's arranging all of the bodies on the stage, which I really like this. I love all these ideas. Yeah. Like he's creating his own little sort of montage of everyone. And then white feathers are just everywhere. Yeah, cool. It's cool. She's walking around holding a gun in the least believable way I've ever seen. Yeah. It's like clasped in between her boobs. Just like pointing straight out. Well, she can't climb a ladder, so yeah. she's not going to be able to hold a gun. But even children yeah, the, hold a gun better than this. Right? <laughs> the, I like how the owl's putting like these feathers in the dead body's mouths. And yeah. Things. It's this weird sort of like mm-hmm. cult kind of feel to it. Yeah. And then suddenly the cat the cat does something. <laughs> it seems to be the only reason it's there is to start a fan accidentally, uh, which is what triggers all the white feathers. Sorry, right. mm-hmm. blind around. And then the owl just takes a seat and the cat gets on his lap. And he's tapping his key, his like foot to the music with the key next this to him. This is eerie. He's like wedged. In. Yeah. yeah. Really good. It was. it was a really cool shot. It just lasted for 15 fucking minutes. Yeah. yeah. No, it was too long, but I really like this idea. And because of the mask, you don't know where he's looking. Yeah. So he's just like 
sitting in one position. You don't know if maybe he's gone to sleep. Maybe he's closed his eyes to enjoy the music. You don't know if he's waiting for her. You've no idea. Yeah. And I think, I do think he thinks he's got everyone yeah. at that point. I don't yeah. think he really cares that much. Well, she's not very effective. So even if he knew that she was alive, he's like, she's probably out there trying to figure out how a key works. Surprise, she is. Yeah. Which is just weird because she's the one that he connected with and why he stole away in the back of the car. So he's, she's one of the only ones he knows is there. And mm-hmm. then he sort of forgets all about her. But she goes under the floorboards to try and grab the key. There's some really cool wide sort of weird shots of the key in the foreground and him in the background. And she's like, wig me out. But it just goes on forever. Yeah. I just had no <laughs> idea what was happening. And I was like, who makes this decision? Yeah. Who's like, yeah. that's the best plan right now. I mean, I was under the blanket peeking through my fingers <laughs> through this whole thing just because I was like it's, he's got a chainsaw through the floor or something like it's coming it's coming and then like it felt like the family guy joke where Peter hurts himself <laughs> oh, and yeah. like it just goes on for five minutes oh, of yeah. him moaning to the point you know it goes on so long that it becomes funny again you know yeah and it gets annoying <laughs> right and so this just felt like that where it was like, okay, this is going on. It's scary. It's scary. Okay, now this, are we still doing this? Oh, okay, maybe it's scary yeah. again. Uh, nope, nope. It's still annoying. Great. Now I hate everything. Well, if she would have had a weapon that was less effective than a gun, right. then this would have made sense to me. But the fact that she was so close to him With before she goes under the floorboards, yeah. like you have a fucking gun. Even if at this point she had shot it and it hadn't gone off, he would not have heard it. There's music playing, whatever. So she could have taken her time, aimed it properly, yep. taking him out, used yep. the key and re- re- like escaped. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It feels yeah. like they're going above and beyond to make her the most helpless person on the right. planet. Yeah. It's just, but I really like the essence of this scene. I do. Well. Like, I really like the going under the floorboards, the key court just in front of him, the feathers in the air. He's right. just sitting there. This weird But then just don't give her a gun. Like, they should have just given no, her don't a give knife her a gun, or something. Get a better actor, write something for yeah. her, and yeah, edit it properly yeah. because, the, yeah, the pacing's all off. Yeah. But I think the ideas there are really cool for this scene. Right, yeah. Um, we got our first close-up of the owl's eye, and then suddenly pops upside down, grabs her, she stabs him right in his eyeball, and then he comes after her with an axe as she's trying to unlock the door. Mm-hmm. Rock score time yet again. Yep. And she climbs up to the lighting rafters. And she sprays him with a fire extinguisher. He falls, hanging onto this cable. And for some reason, decides climbing back up, it was easier than dropping the sort of three feet to the floor below him. Yep. While she's just very, very, very slowly hacking at it with an axe. I know. Well, part of me was like, girl, whenever she first starts cutting it, I was like, you got to wait till he's more than 10 feet off the ground. Like, don't start cutting the rope. It's going to take her forever to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. But then I, as it took forever, I was like, okay, you you were right to start this process 15 minutes ago. My bad. <laughs> yes, I wrote yeah, down in my notes yourself. that I was like, I think they're legitimately, these two may still be out in the world fighting each other because this could believably <laughs> still so be stupid. happening. Mm-hmm. Again, it's taking it's kind of rem- for fucking ever. <laughs> kind of reminding me of Family Guy again. The yeah. ongoing fight between yeah. Peter and the giant chicken. The chicken. Yeah. It's I a do saga. like the shot as he falls. <laughs> It's a cool shot as he falls. Um, I mean, he is a giant like, owl. It's almost the yeah. same as a giant chicken. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Uh, it looks generally painful when he does eventually. Yeah. yeah. And then a nice dramatic shot of the key with her walking toward it. But he grabs her leg, of course. Of course. So what does she do? She sets him on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't know how it didn't happen already. <laughs> and then she escapes. Cut to the police. The press are hassling her. She sees all the bodies being wheeled out. She goes to the hospital, a real hospital this time. 
And then she realizes this dropped line right at the beginning about some watch that you think, oh, that's going to play into things. She lost her watch in the battle. Yeah. So she gets a taxi back to the scene of the multiple murders to find a watch that we don't even get an extra line at the beginning. Like, oh, this is like an heirloom. Belongs to my mother. My ex-boyfriend or whatever, something. No, it's just that it was really expensive and she could pawn it for money if she needed to. That's it. That's it. She has a story she could make millions out of now. Like the watch is the, the least that she needs to be worried about. Right. Not if she continues in the way this. that she was when the press were asking her questions, which was to stare off blankly into huh? nothing. Huh? I have a question I remember for a feather. <laughs> I was woken by a feather. <laughs> and then, yeah, she gets her into janitors just getting in, who apparently after multiple murders that night is allowed to just like, right. oh, hey, well, go he's back gotta in. Well, you got to clean it up. <laughs> he lets her into... I really like the shot of the stage in darkness as the door opens and then as the lights go on, there's a mannequin right next to the camera. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. That mannequin stuff like that. kept freaking Shannon out the whole time. It did. These She's fucking like, mannequins. knock over I- this, this mannequin. I don't want to see. I know. Well, that's what I kept thinking. Like, guys, why are you, do you put these mannequins out here and you're not using them? I kept waiting for them to be utilized in some way. Nope. Right. Yep. Yeah. So she finds the watch. But when she turns, Willie the janitor, he's disappeared. Well, and then she starts doing math. The janitor has told her you should have. You just had the safety on your gun, like you could have shot yes. this guy, but the safety yeah, was yeah. on. Yeah. 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 She starts doing math. She's like, "Why did you say there are eight bodies and not nine? And I had to rewind this. Okay, yeah. guys, because I watched I it agree. and I was like, "I'm really confused." <laughs> yeah. I was like, I mean, "What the fuck are they trying to tell me?" I had no here? idea. And it's simply that there should have been nine bodies because she expected the killer's body to be found, but he wasn't. And there are eight bodies, which was her friends. So she's like, oh, wait, they never found the killer. And then the killer's behind her. Willie, though, shoots him in the head. A watch broken. Yep. That's the real tragedy. Yep. As Willie, for about two years, just keeps saying, right between the eyes. Right between the eyes. Right between the eyes. I told you I'd do it. Right between the eyes. I told you. Right between the eyes. And this is what you do as an actor when the director said, no, just keep doing it. We're going to use the bit that works. Yeah. And, <laughs> and instead then they, they use just all use all of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, the editor hey, we're just going to do a series. Just keep saying right between the eyes over and over again. We're just going to do a series. Don't worry. Right yeah. between the eyes. Yeah. Right between the eyes. <laughs> I told you I'd do it. Right between the eyes. Right you feel like the they would leave in the bit where he's like, oh, that was a good one. Right between the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the kill is lying on the floor. Looks at the camera, smiles. Yeah. And then we get a fucking insane edit of the original performance from the beginning of the film with the owl leaping out of the darkness, freeze frame and credits roll. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was like, what? who the fuck is this guy that he falls, <laughs> looks painful, lit, is lit on fucking fire. And it's not a little bit of fire. It's like the whole body's going up in flames. Mm-hmm. And then he's shot between the eyes. And then he smiles. What the fuck? <laughs> well, he's a slasher villain. And this right. was, yeah, definitely, uh, this was the director. This isn't me putting on it. They, they said the director wanted to commentate on how the American films are taken slashes by that point of you always have at the end, oh, the killer's still alive. And this was him kind of breaking the full fall to take the piss out of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which again, I think there are lots of ideas behind many of these things. Yeah. Which ones work, which ones don't. We will uh, get into properly when we get to the end of the remake and we judge these films against each other. Dun, dun, dun. But, the only little bit of facts that I want to say is during a screening at Fantasia Film Festival where this played, fans threw white feathers from the theater balcony. Ooh. Ooh. Was nice. Very nice. I legitimately, and, yeah. if we go to Fantastic Fest next year, I'm dressing up as Owl Man. 
Oh, fuck Do it. it. It would be such a great costume. It would be. No, it'd be amazing. Be You'd get into any party. Mm-hmm. Right? Before his death in 1999, one of the producers, Joe D'Amato, was planning to remake Stage Fright. Hmm. The film was to take place in a TV station, which was reopening, where years earlier, a TV host called Willie Shocks had killed his wife, who he found having an affair. Years pass, and the TV station reopens for the murders to start again. The killer... Sorry, one sec. The killer... <laughs> Was to wear a costume made of light bulbs. Yes! What? I can't even visualize what that looks like. <laughs> like, would they be lit? I hope so. Depends how excited he was. <laughs> that would get really warm. You can't yeah. wear that. No, can you imagine? That'd be a nightmare for health and safety on set. They would break. It would be bad. And he had another idea for remake the film, but set it on board of a cruise ship heading for Barcelona and a killer was to have been a mad violinist. Yes. <laughs> this is European horror, How my dare friends. he hold out on these ideas from us? <laughs> well, the here's film. the thing, because now as we're saying it, some of those ideas in his original remake to do with uh, a guy who killed his wife who found out she was having an affair are going to show up in the not-remake 2014 stage frame. That's very true. But we'll get there. Shannon, before we take a little disco break, yeah. all I want to know is how does an Italian director tick those preconceptions you have of what a slasher movie is going to be? I mean, it's not great, y'all. He only uh, Sloan. How many boxes? Sloan. How many? How many boxes, Sloan? Uh, no, Sloan he's, he's says a coffee break. Uh, she's magically turning these numbers, a la Vanna White. Um, six boxes. Oh. Uh, so we have <sighs> poultry. That's more I than I thought, though. Honestly, yeah, me too. Uh, we have the slut dies. Right. Duh. Eventually. <laughs> oh, no. The phones are dead because we see them kill the phones. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, the power goes out mm-hmm. and then comes back on. But it went out. Uh, they run yep. farther into the house for uh, rather than outside to safety. I feel like that's yep. the entire movie. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. My favorite. Boobs. <laughs> And non-American boobs. These are your, these yeah, are like real yeah. girl boobs. These are these are petite little foreign titties. I'm into it. Yeah, <laughs> petite little foreign titties. Yeah, yeah. That's a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cute little. Also a band name. That would be a great band name. Oh, yeah. that would be a petite fucking insane. Foreign titties. <laughs> no, petite little foreign oh, titties. Oh, petite little foreign titties. Yeah. Anyone who called it petite foreign titties, you smack them in the face. <laughs> you don't know your fucking band. Yeah. Uh, and then this is the first time we've checked this actual box. It was Ooh. a dark and stormy Owl mask. night. <laughs> <Owl> mask. <laughs> Is it really? Was that the first time we've had a dark and stormy yeah, night? Yeah, it's in the any- first Come time on. we've had an actual, like, a dark and stormy night. It really was. And we need to get you on a Friday the 13th series. We would take a lot, oh, a lot of your boxes. Yeah. I don't think that you're is. allowed to do All a Friday right. the 13th in a non-dark and stormy night. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, that's well, it. Well, I mean, a poultry amount. The fog wasn't a dark and stormy night? Well, it never rained. It was just foggy. This so I, true. I don't think yeah, you could really call that Yeah, supernatural. It wasn't really. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Interesting. All right. So disappointing. Uh, maybe the remake will do better. We're going to take a little disco break, and then we will come back to quickly go through Stage Fright's 2014, the not remake remake. Prom night. Prom night. Prom night. Prom night. Prom night. Prom night. Everything is all right. Oh, no. Wrong night. No more feeling. 
And we're back. We're going to be talking about Stage Fright 2014, which gets a 5.2 out of 10 on the IMDb. Boo. Shannon's looking displeased. Boo. Directed by Jerome Sable. He's a Canadian guy or Sable. I don't know. I think it's this Sable. This is his first Sa- film. I think it's Sable. I think maybe he's French Canadian. I hate oh. you guys. Even with an accent, it's still Sable. No, with an accent, I think it's definitely Sable. No, in in American. It would be Sable. In American. Sable. Sable. So he also did some of the ABCs of Death 2, uh, written by oh. him, who, uh, and he also did the music and the lyrics to this film, guys. Yes, he did. Pretty impressive. Well, nice. Pretty impressive. You should look him up as well. He looks like he's in a kind of like an emo rock band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Eli Patalion also uh, wrote this with him. DP'd by Bruce Chun, who's done a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of Canadian stuff, and Beauty and the Beast, the TV series, did that. Um, Amazing. Music. By, yeah, Jerome Sable. Or huh. Sable. Sable. Whatever. Sable. Uh, starring <laughs> Minnie Driver, square yeah. face herself, as Kylie Swanson. She has, of course, been in Good Will Hunting, Gross Point Blank, Will and Grace, About a Boy TV show, and The Phantom of the Opera, guys. Which makes sense why they got it for this. Right. Also starring, I keep saying, uh, a lot. Uh, st- oh, fuck, I was about to do it. St- also starring Meatloaf as Roger McCall. Yeah. Who's been, of course, in Fight Club. We, from Blood this, we learned what Meatloaf's last name is. Yeah, meatloaf a day. Yes, I know. It's no a, idea. That's, yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> Fucking insane. Yeah. I don't think he's called it anymore. I think it was back then. He was yeah. It. Uh, Ali McDonald as Camilla Swanson. She's been in House at the End of the Street, Young Drunk Punk, which sounds cool, TV mm-hmm. show. A Bit of Orphan Black. And she is one of, I think she's called the Timid Wife or whatever in Under the Silver Lake. Ah, well, Timid. From, you really know, Jesus... Her. Oh. And uh, Jesus and his, what's it called? Jesus and his, what's it called? Oh, right. What Jesus and his virgins or something. Something virgins. Something. Oh, okay. Douglas Smith as Buddy Swanson, Big Little Lies, The Alienist, Vinyl, Ouija, Terminator Genesis, Santa's Slay. Nice. Uh, really good. Yeah. Santa slash film. Kent Nolan as Joel Hopton. Not done much that I know of. Brandon Uranowitz as Artie Gents. In the marvelous Miss Maisel, I felt like I knew Artie from other stuff, but yeah, just this, I, think. I definitely knew him from Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, Mrs. Maisel for sure. I haven't seen that. Uh, Ephraim Ellis as Sam Brownstein from Degrassi: The Next Generation, yes, and nothing else is. matters on his IMDb page. Melanie Leish- Leishman as Liz Silver from Todd and the Book of Pure Evil, which is a TV show I think uh, done by this director. I haven't seen it. Apparently, it's got a real quite a passionate little fan base, but I don't know about it. Mm. And Eli Battalion. The co-writer as Oleg Penderecki, who also created and wrote Yid Life Crisis, which I think is a brilliant name. And there's one more cast member in this film oh, that needs fuck to be me. talked really? about. So many. And that, well, but that is, he has the teeniest, tiniest part at the very end. Dan Levy plays oh, an right. entertainment reporter at the end. And whenever it happened, I like freaked out. And I, because I was like, he's probably True. the most famous, talented, with the exception of maybe Meatloaf and Minnie Driver, in this film now, because he's Eugene Levy's son, wrote and created Shit's Creek, also stars in it. Like, is huge. He's so fucking great, and he's got this teeny tiny cameo at the end. I love it. I did not know him, and I don't know from. Like, I did not realize. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Budgeted. Well Nobody knows. How much this movie really cost to make? Uh, it was independent. It grossed about seven thousand dollars domestic. But again, as we've mentioned before, if you opened in two cinemas, that's a fucking great haul. Uh, they obviously crazy. had a limited release, so but didn't get a proper widespread release. Wow. Uh, Jerome Sable, Canadian, had previously made 
The Legend of Beaver Dam, which was a musical comedy. It's about 10 minutes long. It screened at over 75 film festivals worldwide, won 17 awards, was given Best Short Film at Sitges, Fantastic wow. Fest, and an honorable mention at Sundance. Oh, shit. Dang. You can check it out online. It's not my thing, to be honest, but it's completely just a, uh, what do you call it? Like a mission statement for this film. It really is. It's about right. these sort of, these, um, God, my brain's gone. The kids who go to the woods with badges to get badges. <laughs> what do you call them? Not the Girl brownies. Scouts? Boy Scouts? Not Boy Girl Scouts. Scouts. Boy Scouts. Yeah, is another word for Boy Scout? I don't know. Boy Scouts. Uh, it's about, I think it's a bunch of Boy Scouts and they're camping and then the guy who's taking them is like singing them the song and then this slasher villain basically comes out and it turns into this basically song battle, which is very similar to the ones in here. You've got the metal yeah. songs and then you've got the more traditional. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, I see why people like it. It's not really my sort of thing, but it's fine. The producers wanted this film, though, to please both those who loved and those who hate musicals because the director himself loves slasher films, but he really loves musicals. But he said there's a lot about the- uh, about musical theater that really annoys him um, as well. So he wanted to address both in this film. Oh, mm-hmm. I love it. And they really wanted it to be laugh out loud funny, but with the comedic gags as well as the gore. They wanted mm-hmm. that to be funny as well. They hired someone called Paul Becker to create the dance numbers, who worked with them quite intensely. Meatloaf really wanted to do this role, as apparently he liked how, quote, complex his character is. <laughs> I mean, oh, well, but oh, also, like, this is kind of right up Meatloaf's alley, you know, coming off yeah. a Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, right. obviously, that was much, much earlier, but there's some very Rocky Horror elements to this, I think. Yeah. Agreed. And the actress, the lead actress said it was her favorite projects uh, that she had done so far as it allows her to do everything she's good at. Quote, singing, acting, and screaming. Interesting. Interesting. I wouldn't include acting in that category, but... <laughs> or really singing. Or really singing, yeah. Well, that's... Also- I mean, I forget what she did. She had done a long... Um, I think it was her. One of them had done a long, long, long um, well, uh, theater run. So this film was cast by, by Telsey which is a huge casting uh, company in New York. They cast all the Broadway musicals and things like that. So, like, the, I, I was a little surprised that the singers weren't, overall, weren't, like, fucking phenomenal for that reason because it's, like, they have all the talent in the world that right. they're mm-hmm. looking at. And it's just well, you're looking for a certain age group. You're looking for a certain acting ability. I mean, not saying whether they nailed it for us or not, but the director's obviously got other stuff he's trying to tick off other than just they can sing really well. So, Yes, yes. But I would say that this lead is not ticking off all of those boxes, which is it's just surprising to me because, you know, the people that cast this film are fucking great. Top notch. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's why I've been excited to get to this. I know you know this world. I do. I know it. I know it. I love it. I'm into it. Yeah, so to be clear, Shannon, not a slasher fan, not a horror fan. But a um, fan but... of musicals! <laughs> Holy shit. And I think we have to bring that in. Katie, what's, what's your feeling on musicals? I am for musicals. I'm pro musicals. But I'm not really into opera, but I love Phantom of the Opera. So it's like, mm. well, it's I like a good story, I guess. And if you can make me laugh while telling that story in a, in a song, then all better for it. See, I'm not a fan of musicals, but I do like comedy musicals. Yeah. Um, and I do like a lot of animated musicals. Yeah. But theater musical, I, I don't really like at all. I just don't like, I like when there's a nice gap in between songs in musicals. I don't like when in every scene 
it has sure. to be explained in song. Like, sure, I don't sure. like everyone having to have a solo is usually what bothers me in musicals, but this was not that, so that was great. This is not that. They spent a long time trying to invent a world that didn't have a time to it. That was important to them, apparently, mm. which I appreciate, but didn't really notice, but yeah. fair enough. Yeah. And they had a crew of around 50 people and sometimes over 100 extras on top of all of the main characters that they have in the film. So it was mm -hmm. pretty, for an indie film, there's a lot to handle. But obviously, they're pretty much just all on one location. So yeah. Well, and luckily, most of their extras would have just been kids. So pretty easy. Yeah. Well, no, that's a fucking nightmare. Is it worse? <laughs> it's difficult. Say. Anyway, oh, kids are a nightmare. Oh, the amount yeah. of, I mean, if you go beyond just the paperwork, there are only certain hours you can do. You have to have, like, if they're there for that's a certain true. amount of time, you've got to have teachers on set. Food has to be at the exact right times. Like, and it's really complicated. Kids are assholes. Um, well, there were so yeah, many so, scenes yeah. when there's big wide group shots of them dancing that you can tell the ones that they told the words of the songs to and the ones that they didn't. Because yeah. there are kids that are just looking at everyone else, just trying mm -hmm. to do the hand motions at the same time, which cucumber, is Cucumber, watermelon, cucumber, watermelon, cucumber, watermelon, <laughs> cucumber, watermelon. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Once again, I've forgotten to do the thing that we need to do. So before we get into the plot we're about to get into now, we want our list for what's happening in 2014. Let's just blaze through it, guys. Yeah, great. Top 10, 2014. Here it's coming at you. Number 10, Interstellar. <laughs> Number nine. I like it. Continue. <laughs> great. It's a great film. Number nine, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Ooh. I don't like it. Don't love Continue. it. I love Andrew Garfield, though. Yeah. And Spider-Man. Uh, number eight, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh. I like it. Oh, yeah. Uh, number seven, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I love it. <laughs> number six, X-Men, Days of Future Past. It's all right. Uh, number five, Maleficent. Ugh. I won't watch it, <laughs> but I apparently it's good. Hang on. Haruka, Maleficent, thumbs up or down? Down. We don't Ruka like it. Ruka said no. <laughs> Ruka says no. Great. Number four, The Hunger Games, Mockingjay, part one. Yeah. Get it. Uh, number three, Guardians of the Galaxy. Woo woo. Fucking love it. Yep. So fucking Great. good. Uh, that's my favorite of anything that we've listed thus far. Although my favorite is outside the top yes. 10. I'll tell you in just a second. Uh, number two, The Hobbit, Battle of the Five Armies. Amazed anybody saw it. And. Oh. Number one is incredibly disappointing to me, so I'm going to tell you my uh, the couple that are outside the top ten that I think are better. Oh, Number don't 20, be taking gone. any of mine. What'd you say? Don't be taking any of mine. Oh, I don't think Shannon's going to take any horror films yeah, for her favorite. Films don't worry, there's not a single horror film on this list. All right, uh, twenty Gone Girl, and then probably my favorite movie of 2014. Number seventeen, The Lego Movie. Yeah. That was great. It's so fucking good. I genuinely love it. And now Very for the good. incredibly disappointing number one of 2014, Transformers Age of Extinction. <laughs> that makes me hate everyone. Well, that's because of China. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> a lot of money over there. They love those films. Yeah. Thank you very much, Anna. Katie, let's just quickly go through the old horror movies 2014 all right we have got some really good ones actually in this list uh which we mentioned already before the abcs of death 2 which is the same writer of this one of this well stage, it's right? lots of little tiny tiny vignette horrors right. he did one of them yeah. he did one um annabelle which is a great stalwart i like that we one might be reviewing that sooner than you would think oh shit but not right now uh as above so below it's so weird how yeah, close sorry. i feel to these movies like i'm like that that was Five years ago? <laughs> kind of uh, yep. scary. 
feels like it was just last year. Uh, the Babadook, which Al mm. and I watched with my mother, uncomfortable. Wait, do you only two people who don't like it? Yeah. Uh, Cabin Fever, Patient Zero. Yeah. No followed bother. by Creep. Do bother. One of, Brothers. one of my absolute favorite horror films, which is Dead Snow, Red versus Dead. So Great. good. Very so funny. good. Uh, Devil's Do. I don't know this one. Well, m- m- most people don't know that one. But if you look at the highest return movies, just period, in the last 10 years, that's right at the very top. Oh, well done. Well done. You guys. Um, yeah. Again, horror movies make the biggest returns. And that's all the I people guess, should be looking I at. I don't they understand. They're due from Devil's Due. Ha, ha. I don't understand why we focus ha, on ha. gross so much. Followed by Girl House, which I know I know this name, but I don't think I've actually seen it. No, it's a slasher movie. It's fine. Also a girl film, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. This has been on my queue and Netflix for yeah. ages. I've it was a great Iranian film. I heard it's very good. This film came out, I saw it at Fright Fest actually with Al. Uh, it's called Housebound. Highly recommend. It's very good. Everyone's, I yeah, I remember so little of this film, yeah. but yeah, it was good. I remember you really liked the guy's jumper in this. <laughs> it was like perfectly Sounds tattered. Uh, Jezebel, which I don't know. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, I just rewatched this film recently, Aubrey Plaza in Life After Beth. Very funny. Can be a bit tedious in parts. Oh, yeah. Agreed. I remember that movie. Oculus. Great. As a beginning of, well, pretty much the beginning of Mike Flanagan, who's now, everybody loves him for House on the Haunted of the Hill of the House on the Haunted. It was written by Shirley Jackson originally. No one really knows that, but she's great. Mm-hmm. Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. You can hear about that. One day we'll that. get to them and Alex will be very happy. Pretty huh. soon. You can hear about The Purge Anarchy, which Al oh, yeah, loved, I'm sure. I, you know, I might have, you don't know. At least no, one no. of the films I enjoyed. Another one you can hear about, Rec 4, Apocalypse. Yes, you can definitely hear about that. See No Evil 2. Yeah. I have nothing to say I don't like that. it. I, like, I kind of like the first one, but I don't like the second one. Uh, a commentary on the acting field that I did not care for, but a lot of people liked, The Starry Eyes. Yeah, I didn't like this either. Um, one that LA I, actors. Yeah, it's it's not great. Uh, Tusk, which is disturbing but comedic. <laughs> yes, <not> terribly disturbing. <laughs> the town that dreaded sundown, it. which is pretty great. Yeah, it's good. And then one of Al's favorite films, the most excited I've ever seen him at Fright Fest, ladies and gentlemen, Zombieverse. I was upset it didn't live up to that fantastic poster, but anyway. But you were very very excited. Thank you very much, guys. All right, let's get right into it. So. I gotta say, this movie starts off strong for me because we get some dialogue on the screen. So good. Yep. Saying the following is based on true events. While the names have been changed to respect the victims and their families, the musical numbers will be performed exactly as they occurred. Shannon's confused face. I was so confused. So I was like, confused. wait, just because, you know, things wait, are based on true You didn't events. know what you were in for? No. What? Well, she was like, wait, does it really mean that it's based on a true story? Oh, wait, is it is it a joke? I don't get it. What's happening? Is this, yeah. a, is this a true story? Yeah, it immediately... Well, because like oh the based God. on true story, like horror film things, I'm like, nope, too real, too real, too much, too real, too much. <laughs> you knew this was a musical, right? Yes, yes. So then I just had to think about it for an extra five seconds to be like, okay, no, it'll be fine. <laughs> no, they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> they're liars. Um, what's really helpful is that Ali, God bless her, for those of you who've been listening to the Weird Geek shows, Ali's wanted a musical number for so, so, so many series that she stuck through. Finally, we had the film for her. She's been watching a bunch of them with you guys yep. while not being on this podcast. Oh, she yeah. was. We tried as much as we can. We shifted, shifted things like three times and then she still wasn't there. So she She's didn't get to Vegas. watch the film. She had to go to Vegas. Whatever. She went to see so her we own start, musicals. <laughs> we start with a fake out kill 
Uh, we're part of a musical. It's basically Phantom of the Opera, but they're calling it The Haunting of the Opera. Yeah, Is that what yeah. yeah, The Haunting of the Opera. So just litigious, not litigious enough, I guess. A little girl and boy are watching their mother, played by Minnie Driver, who's singing opera on stage. She's I do like so this. Fierce. Like, she looks like she's going to scream, and instead she just goes into a high-pitched no! opera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's really good. <laughs> I will say, on my Blu-ray, I watched this from a German Blu-ray, because it's the only place I could get it imported from. I think you guys had the American. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I would assume so. My mix wasn't perfect in this, so the music was much louder than the words, which did cause a problem for me. Going from people speaking to people singing, mm. I had to keep, keep fucking with the sound. Mm. But I don't think that's the film. I think it was a Blu-ray mix. Yeah, we didn't have that problem. And then Meatloaf walks in. He's yeah, the rich he producer with the fakest so moustache you've ever it's seen. So I love it. I love it. He's like, I'll do it if I can wear a moustache. I was watching him in the making ofs and he's, yeah, no moustache anywhere to be seen. Like, it's yeah. just his little... So good. I showed Lee the beginning of this movie and he was like, yeah, just like someone just took pubes and just yeah. stuck them to his... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like just awkwardly black in a way. It's so weird. Yeah. yeah. It's very like a little, it's like a wider Hitler-esque mustache. It's, it's yeah. intense. It's just a yeah. little bit fluffier than Hitler's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, it, it's, it's that mustache is saying, I'm a murderer. Well, yes. as we've learned from Henry Cavill, if you have a mustache, <laughs> it means you're a villain. That's true. Yes, exactly. Spoilers. <laughs> the little girl walks out onto the empty stage, uh, clearly getting the stage bug, while yeah. the phantom from the play is watching her. And then we get Minnie Driver in her lingerie. She's looking pretty great for her age. Yeah, she is. Oh, really any is. age, really. Any, like, please, she looks better than I do. Yeah. It's true. Well, uh, <laughs> agree. <laughs> We're all agreed. Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean. This is where you're supposed to not agree. Thanks. I mean, assholes. but also she's got, she still has like a stylist and a personal everything. Yeah. So, yeah. If and she, she didn't better. look better than us, I would be like, where's your money going? That's true. Maybe you need to be fair, her hands, her hands look like a 90-year-old woman, but yeah. her body looks great. Yeah. The she little, still has sorry. a giant head. I don't know how she supported that head for so oh, it's long. Oh, it's crazy. That chin it's is phenomenal. so big. So the phantom, I'm just going to call him the phantom. That's yeah. okay. Uh, comes in and starts feeling her up and they're getting all kissy-kissy. And we learn, okay, that she's not meant to like, she's worried. But Meatloaf apparently is her boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah and the producer of the play and she's having an affair we're going to learn which I didn't really pick up on to be honest from this beginning bit um, I didn't even get that her meatloaf were boyfriend and like partners right I obviously got she was having something with this guy right but then she gets got pretty fucking brutally in the neck pretty hardcore again and again and again and then right through the mouth yeah and it's amazing and then slammed into the mirror like the mirror part was actually I don't know. It's just really violent. It was. It was very violent. I was trying to imagine the mix of emotion Shannon would be feeling from musical oh. numbers to sudden stabbings in the throat. Y'all, yeah. this whole movie, I, it was like such a ride for me. <laughs> she was on a roller coaster. <laughs> it was. I was loving everything about the songs and then the murders were so brutal. I was like, I don't know. I want to... <laughs> <laughs> she would go from laughing and singing to hiding yep. very quickly. Yep. So the little girl, she wakes up through the magic of editing. We know it's the same same girl. She's yeah. now a teenager. Thanks, editor. We get some chunky electric guitars as the title comes up, yeah. which we're going to learn are basically the electric guitars of the villain's yeah. own sort of musical. Yeah. 
Now we get to when I think of this film, I think of it beginning with this scene, oh which I always God, forget so that beginning. I know, so I do good. too. It's well, so I always but, get, I always get the little song the Mini Driver sings her stuck in my head. So that's the only reason I remember Mini Driver. Honestly, right. I love this. Moment. Shannon was so excited when she saw kids on a bus. I mean, she's like, she literally goes, "Oh my God, is this happening? Is this this is happening?" And then they, they start singing. She goes, "Yeah." <laughs> pitch pie i mean this there's a she movie so called happy. camp from 2003 that is all about you know kids at a theater camp and things like that and it was like such a thing for me and my friends high school college whatever we're theater nord- nerds and so this was nords. like oh my god and we're remaking camp it was <laughs> this was like, verbatim how she so was good. <laughs> I mean, you're right to be excited because this is 100% the best bit in the movie. Yeah, it really is. Oh my God. They well, start I don't so, know. I, like, I think they start so strong. I like so the villain strong. a lot. I could just I like the villain a lot too. I feel like, okay, listen, we'll get to it. for my money, there's a lot of best parts in this film. There's a lot Spoilers. of Spoilers. This is the highlight for me for sure. Like they start off and it's so, because, okay, again, I love a good comedy musical. It's so fucking hard to get it right. And yeah. this is trying to do it South Park style yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Where there's some dark stuff, there's some human stuff, and there's just goofy humor as well. There's a lot of commentary going on. We're being introduced to all these children coming to center stage, the camp for the performing arts. Yes. And there's like there's songs about child abuse. Yeah. Like the melody's fantastic. It's the right. mix is so good. When you've got that many extras, and he said a lot of they were talking about how they recorded it, and they said they were based a lot of it after the coal miner's daughter way of doing things, which mm-hmm. kind of re re kind of invented how you shoot this stuff starting with the close-ups and then moving backwards and using your close-up as your main editing point for mm-hmm. lip syncing but yeah they did a lot of the actual recording live of these people singing wow. obviously that there's some stuff sense for but. how uh, that's kind of what i thought because of how the women sound in particular that we were sort of saying like they're not the greatest singers and things like that well they're recording it live like that's hard yeah. really 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 sure. hard to do you, and I, I you could tell that for sure. And from my perspective, this is where me and Ali always have a difference. I would prefer, because I'm not a theater, you know, a big musical fan. I'm never looking for perfection. Like, I don't care about it. Perfection is boring to me because that's just like someone with talent being trained a lot. And I prefer mm-hmm. something raw from it. And I'm not saying necessarily this film has that. But what I'm pr- impressed with in this film is particularly with this opening number, how muddled it might normally get in a mix where you can't quite understand the words that's going on. And it takes a few listens normally to get all the jokes. It's very clean here. You mm-hmm. get everything. Yeah. So uh, you get all the jokes if you're paying attention, yeah. and I fucking love it. Yep. Yeah. I think it's genuinely really funny. The little girl with the lisp is amazing. She's amazing. So I'm working amazing. on my Amazing. <laughs> she's great. Ugh. And she's hardly in this movie at all. She's just so, and she's so, good. so good. Like, just think of how many times she would have had to rehearse that one little sequence. Like, that would be so hard yeah. Yeah. to get so that right. Good. Uh, then you got the camp counselor who's clearly gay, but he starts like singing, I'm gay, I'm gay, but not in that way. So and good. he's just got his fantastic hair and all these he's women clinging to his He's gay from musicals. Thighs. That's yeah, what it is. musicals make him gay. gay from musicals, but not in that way. And but then, he is gay. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and then the actual gay guy like chimes in I'm as well. I'm actually gay. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah, and just and a masterful mix here because they do that great thing that any musical should do where you then come back to other songs. And we've already had our theme song, which yeah, is the one that her mother sang mm-hmm. to her. And they managed to tie from the melody yep. and the pitch yep. into that. So as we move from the kids coming into the camp, we get to pan across to our lead uh, final girl and she's singing the song that Minnie Driver sang to her yep. as a kid. And yep. it fits. It's it so fluidly good. moves. It's so like, yes. good. 
Yeah. This is doing everything you should be doing. And for me, if you can keep that level, then we've got a truly fucking spectacular movie. Yeah. Like, honestly. Yeah. Again, we're going to talk this through as we're going through it. I'm already getting the idea of how you guys feel about this lead. I may change my opinions as we go through. But for this beginning bit, we like pan through and like she has a great look yeah. for a final girl. Like as soon as we pan to her and she's in the kitchen, she's got that. Obviously, you're like very pretty, but that humble sort of theater disheveled yeah. sort right. of look to her. And I like it. Yeah. Uh, her brother's there too, who is also a very attractive boy who's just working in the kitchen. His as hair well. is not disheveled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is like, yeah, he looks great. Yeah, I'm into His it. dream is that they start their own restaurant. Yeah, um, even though they can't make anything, <laughs> right? I'm like, why would you do this as your only source of income? That's a bad idea. And then the shocker for me is that Meatloaf is now running this school. So 10 years right. after he was producing these like big things in New York theaters or whatever, Broadway, he's now got a gray mustache <laughs> and well, he's teaching this school and put them in the kitchen and he's basically like their dad now. Yeah. And let's just try it. Let's spoil this right now. He murdered their mother. Yeah. So he decided a good thing to do was to then take them under his wing and start a school in the middle of fucking nowhere, like by a forest Correct. in like Blair Witch Jason territory. Yeah. Right. Well, and there's things that I, I don't want to spoil yet that we find out later that make this plot line even more ridiculous in terms of like it's crazy. the children staying with him and all that. Yeah. Um, but- this is where we start to feel, at least for me, I'm like, oh, okay, Meatloaf is just in a totally different movie. Like, Meatloaf is in a very serious drama. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, he has, a, to your point of what he said about his characters, like, he's really complicated. I feel like Meatloaf thought, oh, man, this character, I'm going to really sink my teeth into it. And he's just in a completely different genre than what everybody else is in. And so it's really dissonant. And the idea is that, you know, the mini driver gets murdered and that shut down that whole production. And so then he is the producer was ruined. So he goes and opens this theater camp. And None now it's a 10 year sense. anniversary, right? Because everything in horror movies has to happen on a 10 year anniversary. <laughs> so the mm -hmm. 10 year anniversary of the camp, 10 year anniversary of this death, 10 year, all the things. Of this play. All yeah. colliding. It makes absolutely no sense. Right. And so. they, they are alluding to the financial ruin that the camp is in, that like he's going to lose the camp and this is the last big thing he can do. They have so many kids it's at because, this camp. I don't know how they're yeah, losing money. Yeah. And it's be well, because they're not doing anything else. Like, nothing else happens at this camp. Well, they turn up. No, it's they because last play, year they put on the it. vagina monologues, the musical, and it didn't do well. That's why. <laughs> all that's why. all they do. They I literally don't see anybody do anything. Well, and then they have auditions for this play that they're going to put on, and there's... I was like, how are not all the kids auditioning that's why you're no, there. And there's literally nothing else going on, like you said. So what is everybody else doing who's not in this play? I don't understand. It's really weird. I mean, Plus, um, who as a parent sends your kids to put a show on? OK, someone's going to make the set. Someone's going to make the costumes. Someone has. Ha, we see all those. There's like four people. Of all stuff. of those things. Let's, no, we see all those people. But there's one person a, in charge of all of that. Line. Like there's yeah. one makeup girl. There's one wardrobe kid and there's one guy yeah. who's running backstage. That's all it's you need. Weird. It's just it's just this entire setup is just 
absolute i mean i'm gonna go with it because you have to but it's complete nonsense like the fact that he would put like keep them around these kids after what he did the fact that he would move to that place to start this up and hope that's what's going to get him back on broadway the fact that you'd keep them in the kitchen for 10 years presumably like it's all just i mean insanity meatloaf's character is entirely problematic and the plot that revolves around meatloaf's character is problematic yes but i will go with it because if I don't go with it, I don't get sweet, sweet musicals. That's true. <laughs> so I'd rather, I'm, I'm into it. I don't care. Well, I'm going to argue you sort of don't get a musical anyway, but That's we're going to get another song pretty hard off the heels here, which is Meat Love Song. And the shocker is, he's not great. Yeah. It's in the wrong pitch. He's not He's not terrible. performing it great. Like, this is, no, yeah. Meat Love's a performer. Yeah. And I'm sorry, like, this guy wrote a great opening song. He writes some other good melodies. But let Meatloaf write his own songs. Yeah. yeah. Just, or pay him to fight. Whatever you got to do. But he's but, also, like, he's not performing it great. I feel like this is another no. instance of Meatloaf is in a totally different movie. Meatloaf thinks he's in a serious drama. Meatloaf thinks this is his Oscar. And it's like, yeah. nah, dude. <laughs> We're just no, messing really around. He, yeah. he is the worst thing in this movie. And it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Because he should be the best thing. Meatloaf in a horror musical should be incredible. Yeah, just his face, though, redeems him for me. I just like him. Like, I look at him and I'm just like, I like him. I do too, but just not his acting in this. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, or his singing. I agree. It's just always in the wrong pitch. It's so weird. Yeah. But yeah, they're tackling the same play that her mother died performing. So obviously the kids are all shaken up about That's this. That's a good idea. Her, her kids. Um, and then our final girl gives eyes up a guy in the crowd, which makes me think that they've had a relationship before or something. It's very confusing. Yeah, that yeah. whole thing was weird. Yeah. That guy So Artie. Adi is introduced as the director for this year's show. He's, he's doing so the ha- haunting of the opera. With his little leather hat. He's so good. He's so good. <laughs> he's, he's excellent. Good. He's incredible. He is excellent. Like his performance is amazing. The character is so much fun of this like pretentious as fuck little high schooler. That's like, I love that we're going to do the haunting of the opera. This like total ripoff of the Phantom of the Opera, but Kabuki style. A hundred percent in college. I did a version of Euripides where we didn't do Kabuki style. In you did general. Bukaki. <laughs> we did Bukaki. That was such a great joke. No, but we did. It was like very overtly Japanese, just not full on Kabuki. And it was like, oh man, yes, this is what eighteen-year-olds do. I love it. Yep. Yeah, you I all think that you sense. have something new, and instead you're just trying to smush things together. Yes. And call it. And I can believe new. this pitch even. I can yeah. believe this pitch even working. A hundred percent. You know, even not even even outside of college, setting it in feudal Japan. A final girl wants to audition, um, and this is where we get introduced to a killer in an attic somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where. We get a slow mo music video yes. of someone with a knife and a black cloak slashing photos of the kids, just saying, "Shut, Shut your, your fucking face." face! So good. It's so good. It, I just love metal. that all these kids have headshots oh already. My, yeah. Yeah. The metal in this <laughs> in this music, the, like the metal of the killer stuff, I am into so it. Fun. It's like so cheesy and thrashy. And it's like the best chorus of all your favorite metal songs. It's so yeah. good. Shut your fucking face! <laughs> We'll I am available for your metal Differences bands. of opinions in this show. Because yeah. I'm immediately, as soon as I get that sh- that scene, I'm immediately, I'm not liking how it's shown slow-mo, and I'm worried. No. <laughs> is how I'm feeling when Into I see it. that. I have the opposite reaction. 
into it. <laughs> I like it. We get a really weird gag as the final girl tries to audition and then the guy who's really into her and in love with her who's in the signature, he teleports to where she runs off to. Yeah. So strange. So weird. It's not this movie's humor. It's very strange. But then we find that the, she does get to audition. The director really loves her. Miss Silver, as she's called, was the shoo-in for the lead. So she's pissed. Yeah. She's already like, she's used to making out with the director and getting, yeah. getting all the roles. I mean, this is my problem with like the singing of the final girl and just the final girl in general is that i i agree i think that she does a great job that like me humble yes like look wise i'm into it but un- but i don't think her performance in this song is so extraordinary that it makes anyone sit up and listen in a different way right like well you know why don't you because we haven't seen any of the other auditions like we needed to see auditions being mediocre or bad that's to true. think that hers is great that's but then a, later that's we're great- gonna have this other girl singing and she's yeah. not bad they're both the no. same. like they're the same yeah so it's they're not as equal. though she's drastically different other than she's someone else on the stage that they're not familiar with yeah that's a great well, point a i don't think they did a good enough job of setting her up as being like the white knight of this musical right no i agree i agree maybe Absolutely. they should have just made the other girl not as good that's true i don't know yeah and she's just there because she's been sleeping with the director yeah. you need yeah. to make something a bit more obvious yeah, yeah. This is where we get introduced to the creepy janitor gardener, who's this shot of Howie that we're introduced to him is like right out of which fucking movie did we watch? Prom night. Yeah. Prom night. Yeah. Prom night. Ridiculous. I just remember Jamie Lee Curtis being like, he's so creepy. Mm-hmm. I don't like him. I don't he's like him. Working class. <laughs> He's chopping at things. And I think this movie, I mean, I, I really think it's trying to make us think he's one of the suspects i think that's he's that's a red herring because he just pops yeah. up no. in all these places so they're trying to make us think he's a suspect like at this point i already know meatloaf killed the mother like i already yeah. know that i knew that pretty early on because their whole interactions were really weird and i have a good idea and i will turn out to be right like i i knew who the killer was in this movie very early on yeah yeah. Well, so I was kind of not the opposite, but I was like, I didn't know about Meatloaf, but only for two reasons. One, because I never got they were dating in that first scene. So I didn't understand that relationship to begin with because it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you see his mustache? And two, just because the entire setup of everything that's happened to construe this situation that we're now in just doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. So it just didn't, it's just like it makes no sense to me whatsoever. So I didn't even begin to think that he might have killed the mother. But I 100% knew it was her brother straight away. Yeah. Just because 100%. he's everybody loves musicals and he doesn't. Yeah. And, and they show twins. all of the songs. Someone's got to be twins. the evil twin. There's always an evil twin. He keeps telling her not twin. to do it. And then in all the, the the scenes that we get with the killer, he's upset with musicals. Yeah. So you're like, well, there's only one character who's been upset with musicals. Yeah. It's probably that one. And then well, he they spills do the tomato to- sauce on the table. Right. Boom. To yeah. be fair, they in the the first musical number, they do set up the uh janitor guy as hating musicals because they have well, that line sort of. of like I think he hates kids. We're here singing and the staff just deals with it and then they cut to the janitor like hating ever the kids and putting trash yeah. away. Well, yeah, I would hate those uh, kids too. And yeah. I don't know. These kids are the most him. annoying. I know. I was one. And also the Phantom in the beginning was definitely not me alive because he was a really skinny dude. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> anyway, she gets the role along with Silver. I'm initially very confused. Like I see both these names on the paper and I'm like, I don't understand musicals and what's going on because I don't get that they would have two. Well, she doesn't know either. So yeah, I mean, it's I just options. It's just options to sleep with for yeah. this director. That's true. 
And then her and her brother find a photo of their mom with a red cross for it. Also, the biggest problem I have with this production they're putting on is you would never have your lead actor on a play also be the fucking director. Like, you physically can't do that. You can do it in movies because you're recording it and you can go back and look at it. But, like, for a play, you physically... Yeah. The whole point is somebody has to watch it and say, this is bad or this is good. He just uses a mirror or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, that no, was where ridiculous. I was like, nobody has done a play before in this. What the fuck? Yeah, we get more slow-mo of the killer looking all emo in his attic. He's got a razor blade, which is, again, you know it's her brother because it's a can top. It's clearly a yeah. can yeah. top yeah. that's been turned into a razor blade. Yeah. And and then I'm like, he's got an electric guitar because he's not using it just yet. It's so good. It's so good. I have written down the opposite of you guys. These bits make me worried is what I have written nope. down. These here. bits make me excited. These bits make me love this killer. Shut your oh fucking God. face! <laughs> So I do like this. Um, the director's trying to explain to them how why he's reinventing. And he said, what is at the heart of the haunting? Which really he's trying to say stage fright. So you just take this as the director, given why he's making this movie. Right. It's about covering up who you really are. And isn't that the scariest thing of all? That's why I'm going to reinvent this production and cover it with a postmodern face. Which, again, I'm going into this film thinking it is a remake of the 1987 one. And I'm like, okay, this is your mission statement, essentially. But yeah, it's not. A remake of the 1987 one, but you can certainly draw some parallels. We get the Pukaki joke here. Love it. Uh, which is excellently timed. And then so the, the little girl's reply of, like, Kabuki? Yeah. Which is so great. Especially since she's, what, like nine years old? And she yeah. knows what yeah. Kabuki is. And then we get the mask is revealed, and I like it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's yeah, pretty cool. the Kabuki phantom villain mask. Like, uh, that's yeah. a cool villain. Yeah. It's hard to get a good mask, and it looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And the actual killer's mask is going to be like this, but all torn apart and mm-hmm. sort of scratched. It's much cooler. Mm-hmm. So final girl sees that Silver has red on her hand. So she suspects her for uh, crossing out the picture of her mom. Yep. So this begins their feud a bit more. The director then takes her to his dressing room where he's got a little theater toy with martinis in it. Yep. Can you tell me, Shannon, have you ever come across this technique? No, and I'm upset that I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> You've never been asked to the director's couch in his private room? I mean, what? no, and certainly <laughs> they've never had martinis ready in like this cool reveal thing. Because if so, I probably would have been like, panties dropped. Let's do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, those martinis whoosh. were not chilled if it makes you feel any better. Yeah, no, those martinis those were, were probably room fucking terrible. He's been yeah. holding, how long has he been waiting for this bit? Like, There's just a yeah, layer of dust had on to, them. Yeah. I don't know if they had to make that. Or if they had to order it, or if the director just had one of those anyway. Well, it <laughs> just looks kind of like a um, like a puppeteering stage, like yeah. even a miniature one. So it's yeah, just, it's like just a, a little drawstring. I loved stage. it. I was into it. I mean, it listen, was really funny. There's a literal casting couch. Mm-hmm. You know, Harvey Weinstein. Here it. we go. Yeah, she's not into it. She's you know final girl. He then insinuates that the person who gets to perform opening night to the important agents, etc is the girl who's going to comply with his advantage. Right. Typical director. What a dick, literally. So she then walks in later on Silver, uh, Silver making out with the director on stage. And I'm already at a point where I've now written, okay, the final girl's annoying me. Yep. Yeah. She gets progressively yeah. annoying. Yeah. She does. Yeah. She more started more off annoying. pretty decently for me. I yeah. was okay She's fine in the, the first few scenes. Yeah. She's got to And then mean- she just doesn't seem to know how to play it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she fits the profile, you know what I like. 
She's got a good look. She fits the profile, all the things, but she just kind of kind of like the original stage fright. She just gets more and more helpless as this movie goes yeah. along. Well, I also yeah. just don't really believe this overnight shift for her because she's going to go from prude to slut within like 24 hours. Sort of. I mean, she never like she, puts out fully, but yeah, we get this I mean, tug of war between her and Silva. gets there though. No, no, absolutely. And it, it's for me, it's a very weird thing to watch now because like, there's a huge chunk of this yeah. movie, which is just a tug of war between her and Silva, basically yeah. just using their bodies to keep themselves more with the better opportunity to be the lead on opening night. So here she gets like the director to show Silver. Play. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, this yeah. lady have some perspective. Point. Right. This whole plot point was, I was, I was like, oh yeah, this movie was written by a man. Here we go. Here yeah. it is. Oh, it for it sure is. was. Absolutely. It's like, I get to do commentary on it. So people think I'm a good guy, but I'm actually just living out the fantasies that I have. Yeah. That's what this feels like. Yeah. Cause 100%. even if you're like, oh, they're not doing it for him. They're trying to get recognition. Oh, from another man. An older man, which makes it even creepier because these girls are not 18. Oh, we'll get to him. It's just <laughs> we'll like, get to yeah. him. But even if you're validating it by saying they're doing it for a better advantage in life for their career, it's like, no, but you're still just postulating yourself for the approval no, of another man. No, this stage is an awkward, embarrassing message for yeah. sure. But you, yeah. you, know, you presume it's going somewhere or whatever. Yeah, but I, I just don't get the insinuation that like, any sort of summer camp production is going to lead to Broadway success. Well, it's all because yeah. this guy had the connections before and he's promised them. So that, they're going to they're, they're going to drive out to Burkittsville the middle of no, like right. it's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Well, and this is also probably why they're losing money, by the way, is that he's allowing this little shit to run everything. Yeah. Yes. It's like, yeah, yeah. The, oh, yeah. Just, just the lawsuits. sleep with whomever. <laughs> be the director and the lead, whatever you want. It's like, what are you yep. doing? The guy who likes the final girl who's in love with her, he's all upset as he spies her making out with the director. Yeah. So we're meant to definitely be thinking he's the killer yeah. as well. And she's taken to wearing a headband in every scene suddenly. Yeah. I don't a weird, understand like, this. feather headband? Feather I thing. I don't get it. I thought it was part of her costume and then it never, like, it's in two yeah. scenes and then it goes away. And I was like, what no. was that? Very strange. Yeah. And, um, really like, weird. There's, there's so much opportunity in this because the guy that likes her is hanging lights and things like that, is it? In it, I mm-hmm. my biggest disappointment in this whole movie is that never once does a light fall from the thing. Well, it sort of does, but not from that stuff. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Like the killer uses one on the yeah. director in a little yes. bit, but but, but it, yes. I wanted yeah. it to like pfft, impale someone. Shannon was very nah, upset that maybe. he was hanging lights while they're rehearsing, which is valid. Oh, that you can't true. do that. It's so dangerous. <laughs> it is very dangerous. I think there's lots of codes being broken yes. in this theater. Yeah, I really like this little Texas Chainsaw nod with the little kid with the band. Yes. He's like, yes. He's doing the old last uh, Katie pointed it out. Dance. Yep. That's pretty great. Yeah. Final girl, though, she still, she was happy to make out with the director, but she won't let him have sex with her. So he puts Silver back into the lead. Meatloaf has told the director that this Victor guy is going to be coming. Um, he's, you know, a good opportunity for them to get back to Broadway but the truth is, he can't even get him to reply on the phone. Yep. So he's in a panic and his life's falling apart. One day to the play's opening. Final Girl tells the director he can have her when the play makes it. So he tells her she doesn't have what it takes. So she gives in after looking to her mother for inspiration right? in a photo. What, what would, would my mother do? do? Definitely sleep with him. <laughs> Take your top yeah. off. Yeah, I really Whatever don't appreciate takes, the ladies. insinuation in this that actresses <laughs> are all sluts to get ahead. Like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, so many good comebacks, Shannon, that I could do, but I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, her bra comes off. His hat comes off. <laughs> I love the business parody this. time. <laughs> but no boobs. So no. Shannon doesn't get to tick that box. Uh, the killer's watching them getting kissy kissy, which again just makes me know it's like, I just feel like it's definitely her brother because yeah. he's given a weird vibe. And she suddenly asks the director, halfway through, bra off, finally, I'm going <sighs> to give it up. Will you be mad if I go back to my bunk? Right. <laughs> So he's just like, well, I'm going to put Liz on in front, instead of you. And she's just like, fuck you. And just walks off. Mm-hmm. I just, I missed that point in my life when I actually thought that someone wouldn't be bad <laughs> if I was to be like, oh, I'm going to insinuate that this is going to happen and then I'm going to stop right in the middle of it. It's like, would you be mad? Yes, he's definitely going to be mad. Have but you met okay. him? it's okay. He can be he's mad. dick. Get the fuck out of there. That's I it. understand. Exactly. I'm not saying that she should have gone through with it, but it's like, yeah. I just love when they're like, you, are you mad? Are you you going to be you, mad yeah. about this? It's like, yes, yeah. I'm absolutely going to be mad. Is it gonna you, took be your, you took your bra off. And it's just so weird as a writing thing because they made the point of like, she's not going to do it. She's not going to do it. She's not going to do it. She looks to her mother. She decides to do it. So that means yeah. you follow her through and right. continue with whatever character arc you're doing. But instead, they get her then to back out, which just shows right. this character is just a mess. And the character arc you're giving her is all over the place. Yeah. So it's just, it's really confusing. I mean, it, it feels like a personal moment for the writer director to be like, oh, this bitch did this to me. I'm going to put it in. Yes. Or <laughs> that they they realized the faux pas of what they were trying to say here. And they were like, oh, but if she actually has sex with him and then she is the lead, then we are saying that in order to be the oh, lead, yeah. you have to sleep with him. And right. so they're like, no, but we don't, we want her to be strong and independent and get it on her own. So we're going to just get her half and naked. she hasn't been that so far. And then have her leave. This scene is, ab- and the rest of the film is absolutely no different if she had slept with him and then left and then what's about to happen happens or right. if she hadn't. Yeah. It makes absolutely, absolutely no, no difference. No. Other than the fact that at the end of the movie, I get to tick the box that says the virgin lives. That's true. So to Shannon's bingo, it makes yep. a difference. Correct. The killer makes proper Don't debut here. We're 40, boots, 41 minutes in, guys, before the killer makes a proper debut. I'm into it. Uh, Much different than Al. a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I like the scratch mask. He rips the director's foot in half and then the director heads to the sword prop box, which I was really hoping we were going to end up being like rubber swords or something. I know. I, know. I, love, I love that there's this like chest. It's like swords. That'll yeah. save yeah. me. Swords. And there's literally like a glint on it. Like, ding. yeah. Oh, yeah. And the music's going, hallelujah. Yeah. Uh, the so killer funny. puts his mouth, well, not his mouth, but like the director's mouth over a light bulb. Yeah. And then turns it on. Which somehow electrocutes him. It's very strange. As he sings a metal note. We're getting the beginning of the singing here from the killer. So good. Final girl wakes up again, just like she did at the beginning. So we know she's having these bad dreams. Maybe meant to be implicating her because she obviously went off and then the killer appears. So not sure if we're meant to be thinking maybe she's the killer. Guy who likes the final girl says, maybe there's someone who really doesn't want Meatloaf to put on his play. And then they pan to the gardener. I really wish they would have just called him Meatloaf in, the play, in this right. film. Maybe they don't want Meatloaf to put this play on. And the brother's telling her not to get involved with that crowd. So we're getting like all three people they're trying to like point the finger at. Mm-hmm. Meatloaf, who's yeah, having all these foreclosure warnings, finds a sheet of paper taped to his desk with emergency numbers on it. I wrote down some of these. Helpline, 1-800-DON'T-CRY. Uh. Pizza, 518-EAT-SLICE. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh, uh, he goes for the sheriff office however picks up the sheriff picks up this fucking win they pick up the phone on the other end sorry he picks up the phone and he hears the dial tone and then just starts shouting fuck fuck yeah fuck. it's so strange I don't understand I don't the know. point 
Again, Meatloaf is in a completely different movie. Yes. Not one that I want to watch. No, not at all. Um, Not at all. Victor finally, though, brings back Meatloaf. Guess what? He's into Kabuki. Yep. And did 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 you say Kabuki? <laughs> oh, Bukaki. That's what you meant. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's definitely into Bukaki. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was also into Mini Driver, so Meatloaf promises him that her daughter is going to be the lead. Now, I mentioned in Stage Fright 1987, there's this incredulous bit where the director manages to keep everybody on. <laughs> oh God. Here we have a scene with Meatloaf going outside to address maybe I don't know fifty kids or more. Yeah. yeah. And these are kids. Like, you know, there are a few teenagers, but there are like kid kids. I here. do appreciate yeah. they're all mobbing to get into the office to use the phone. Yeah, call. that's funny. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's realistic to me. Yeah. Which definitely takes out, yeah, the time frame, I guess, because there's no mobiles. Mm. He's going out to address them all. <laughs> these are all people who know the director is dead, has been murdered yeah. in this campground. To be fair, and they Meat don't Lo- know it's been murdered. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but this guy lost his job as a prominent producer because his lead because was murder. murdered. Right. And then their parents decided to send them to a remote summer camp <laughs> with said suspicious producer. Mm-hmm. And then also, as we have just found out, some sexual driven crazy director who's yeah. also the lead in the play. Yeah. I mean, so clearly it's the parents' fault. I guess this was pre-Google but, I mean, is, is what we're yeah. learning. Because ours. But he, he somehow manages to convince all of these kids, here's what you're going to want to do. We're going to just pretend for one day that this guy's not murdered because he's already dead. So what does it matter if we just wait till tomorrow? We can all put on our play. He'll still we'll be dead tomorrow. rot somewhere. Ow. I don't know. The show I don't know. must go on. <laughs> We must honor his memory. This then is what do he would want. Then do what they did in Stage Fright 1987 that you appreciated, Shannon. Call the police, take away the body, right. and then do the show. Keep going. Because if listen, there's too much like, of a that. stink around it, they're gonna, he's going to get foreclosed on. I have a huge problem with the fact that they don't use logic uh, to call the police and take care of shit in the way that they should. However, we're in a ridiculous movie musical. So I just no, sure. don't care as much. Like, you've already given me the most ridiculous songs. So, like, you've set up this world that is regoddamn-diculous. So whenever characters respond in regoddamn-diculous ways, I'm like, well, that makes sense. That tracks. Well, Shut your fucking face! This is face! my problem, though. <laughs> but this is my problem, is that we start the film with a huge comedy musical, and then we have Meatloaf's musical, which is better forgotten mm-hmm. at that point. And then he does like a little one sort of here. But we're like an hour into the movie and there have been two songs. The other songs have been stuff that are kind of rehearsing on stage, which aren't really songs. Right. And other than little sporadic moments here and there, it's been playing it pretty straight. It's just been, yeah, there's a fun little camping, you know, a camp movie with a few deaths in there. It's playing it like a regular slasher. It's not playing it heavy on the comedy like constantly like it was at the beginning. And we haven't got to the killer doing his crazy songs yet. So it's like, it's for me, it has a definite identity crisis. If you're not following through on going, let's do a full-on comedy musical. That's mm-hmm. naughty. It's barely even a musical. Yeah. And that's a problem for me. I want more songs. I don't, right. I don't disagree like, I know, with I, you. I 100% want more songs and more fun <laughs> and more camp, right? 
And I think that that's the problem because anything that meatloaf is in feels like it's at a totally different genre. So all yeah. like if you got rid of meatloaf's scenes for the most part, and I feel like this movie, it works better as a whole. It does, but then you, by this point, you're losing two out of your three songs, basically. Yeah. Because yeah. he's about to do another one here. We had this great bit of the little girl going, isn't it wrong to sing and dance when someone just died? I love it. I love it. I wrote it. down that that should actually be the tagline on the front of the Blu-ray. For yes. This song. <laughs> yeah. It would be really great. And then someone just screams, isn't it illegal? <laughs> the back of the group. <laughs> to which Meatloaf just starts singing, and it's a little fucking terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really creepy. <sighs> yeah. I just feel they should be having more fun with all of this, but they're mm-hmm. taking it oddly seriously for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then Meatloaf cuts the phone line, and now we get a rock song from The Killer. And this doesn't work for me at all because they try to intercut The Killer's song, which you, I appreciate if you'll enjoy The Killer's song, but they try to cut that with their happy song, and it doesn't work like the opening track did, like going into the other song. Right. Like they really jar against each other. Yeah, yeah. I I agree that they don't work as well together. I just... I fucking love the metal killer. Like, I'm into it. I would have rather it be just his moment than it being both. Yeah, I think, to me, it it clashed, but in the right way, because they are very different worlds that yeah. these two people are, and they're very different styles of music. So it would be weird if Meatloaf was singing a song that somehow gelled with the death metal song, and it would also be weird vice versa. For me. So, no, but I think that's your job. It's like you've got to make it feel... It's not coherent. Like the pitch and the time... Like everything about them just are off with each other. So it just doesn't work. It just sounds like a mess. Like, And they actually sing over the top of each other. Yeah. And it's like I can't even hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Because it's... You're not... Like you... They just haven't done their job right. Like this is not on purpose. Like the, the... And part of my problem with the metal stuff... And I'm not a big metal guy. But I have like friends who are really into metal. I feel if I was a big metal guy... This would probably... Be me Because it's... Yeah. Because it's very like... It's not real metal it's very fluffy yeah well it's very generic yeah and his voice for me annoys the crap out of me like it's just too it's just too fucking oh it's just too over the top and what i was appreciating again i don't know i just feel this film stuck in two places it's like if you're gonna go over that over the top then do it with everyone like keep everyone at that heightened stage have characters teleporting make this wet hot american summer yeah you know i agree that it it dips in weird places but it i'm on board with the kabuki guy yeah i'm on board with it he reminds me of dragon force i'm into it (laughs) i think it's because he is at that level he's always at a 10 and i yeah but no one else is i know but i guess that's what i'm saying is that it like anytime that the movie starts to lull for me then they bring him in and i'm like oh okay I i just feel like he's massively overacting but anyway people turn up for the production where the fuck do these people come up from like, well, their so parents are coming up. too, and these kids—none of them tell their parents that they were wanting <laughs> oh, to the way. to call the day before. Yeah, we put a body in a dumpster. At least one of these kids would be like, "By the way, someone died yesterday." <laughs> Who cleaned it up? <laughs> Whose right? job was that? I mean, a maintenance guy, apparently. Crazy. So weird. Um, I do really like Final Girl's face when it's half. I do too. Half painted. Oh it's yeah, really cool. I, do I really do. When they fill it in later, I'm like, oh, that's yeah. disappointing. Yeah. I really, really like nice it when half it's half. Because it has like three stages and the yeah. first one's cool, the second one's really cool. And then yeah. the third one's yeah. like, oh. It reminded me of like Wes Anderson, Moonlight one or Moonrise Kingdom when she's the raven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. It's really cool. Uh, the guy who's in love with her tells us she can't do the show. So we're an hour in, we're getting into the proper show now. Hilarious weird bit. <laughs> this is, I was trying to explain this to Leah. I don't know how to. 
where this like fully grown dude sits down next to a little girl and goes, so I haven't heard from you in a while. What's been happening at camp this summer? Well, and then she doesn't reply. And then he's like, you got to tell me something. Yeah. Well, I think the implication is he's supposed to be her dad, right? Therefore, mm-hmm. oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I think he's that's what I meant. Is like their parents are coming. Yeah, so I think I that's it, supposed this, like, to weird, solve surreal. the problem of because essentially oh, in Meatloaf's song, uh, you know, people are everyone decides to be sworn to secrecy that they're going to put this right. show on no matter what. So that's why the girl can't right. say anything to her dad. Right. I thought it was just like airplane surreal humor. You're completely right. Oh, that's no. them trying to solve that problem. Yeah. And I didn't get that at all. I just thought it was like absolute surreal humor. Oh, that's so creepy if, <laughs> yeah, if so you creepy. thought it that way where it was just oh, like no, some no, no, random no, like old guy. Who's, yeah, but, just, but even if you're just chat, like chatting to a very young child, because she's like no, six. I didn't think. Yeah. Yeah, but I took it like an airplane way, like when they're like sitting down next to each other and they just do surreal, like they treat each other like grownups and it's so fucking uh, strange. Yeah, like your I, friend's not been talking to you for a while and it's... Well, right. I think it's meant to be both. Like, I think it's meant right. to solve this like plot hole problem that they have. And I think it's also meant to be hilarious. Right. <laughs> I found yeah, it yeah, yeah. hilarious. <laughs> when you come back to him later, he's like, you got to talk to me sometime. Yeah, you got to <laughs> talk. Yeah, it's so funny. Now, the performance begins. Now, this is where I'm going to have one weird, weird flag because it's very racist oriental music right from the off. Now, we're doing a comedy yeah. with, that's made by characters that are stupid people, mm-hmm. which allows you to get away with a lot of things. But I have problems when they do this in films because this film, as far as I can see, there's a lot of people. Yeah. There's some Asian people in there somewhere. I don't see them. Yeah. There's- so it's a problem for me when you're doing something that's this, like it's very racist yeah. at the beginning of it. Yeah fine but then you have to have a point and then you have to have characters that reflect in the other side of that and they do not this is a white 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 cast yeah. yeah well but i will say in like this is so musical theater in the sense that we have like even just the idea we're going to set it in feudal japan and do kabuki style whenever there's not a single asian at this summer camp you know what i like yeah. this is what white people do to theater. <laughs> They're like, yeah, let I me culturally appropriate this thing in order to make our play more spicy and interesting and not bother to cast anyone of any racial diversity. <laughs> like, no, to I me, agree. Th- it but was I- so racist that like, there's al- it's almost a commentary because like growing up in theater and all, like that is what people do to shit all the time. I agree, but then as uh, we know that it's a film and not a real world. So I agree right. with you, but then I feel like you need even just one shot of someone in the audience who's Asian just looking a little, like looking around. A hundred percent. Everyone's right. okay just with this. Just one thing. A hundred percent. Well, because, you know, it creates this moment where I don't know if you're, if this is a joke that you're in on or if like you're really actually yes. just tone deaf. Do you just think this is funny? Yeah. Or it would be really good even if they had the parent who is Asian, whose kid is Asian, be upset that their kid wasn't even cast in this. Yeah. Like, who, like yeah. you can see them having a discussion yeah, yeah, or something where they're yeah. like, how did you not even get in this play? You're such a disgrace. You're Japanese <laughs> yes. or you're whatever. Yeah. And then you can play to a different stereotype. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it would like, be hilarious. Well, but that's the thing is like, listen, racism <laughs> can be funny if it's a free for all. Right. And if like, no, absolutely. if, if uh, we're in on it and everyone's racist. Right. Uh, and everyone, we're just playing yeah, with all the, the stereotypes. South yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's not whenever you're just going, eh, this is uncomfortable. Do we know? Do you know that this is not okay? Okay. Right. Yeah. It wasn't. No, exactly. is- and that's my problem with a lot of this film. I don't, I'm not sure what the director and writer's intentions are all the time. Yeah. 
well, which is difficult. They're white people, so probably bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So this is where the guy Spoken doesn't realize by three he's gay, white people coming yeah. to you right now. <laughs> yeah, who's playing the uh, phantom guy suddenly realizes that he is gay, makes out with the what is he? The coordinator, the, the stage manager. He's having this really awakening. bothered me. It really bothered me. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. It bothered me that it's setting the precedent that because people are gay, that means that they're attracted to each other. And Mm -hmm. I was really happy at the beginning because when this guy was like, I'm gay for musicals. And then the other guy, when he says I'm actually gay, I almost took it more as like he was offended that somebody gets to say that he's gay for musicals. And so I was hoping that he would stay on that throughout the thing and instead he's just like mellow and he when he's thrust upon by thing. this guy he then accepts it and now he then he's like oh yeah i'm attracted to you because you've decided that you're gay and i'm gay so now we're yeah a thing no, but here's the thing like the reason why that line works so well in the opening every time i watch it it's because of what the actor does with it it's I not know. how it's written yeah. i think it's written as yeah yeah i'm gay i'm gay i'm gay i'm actually gay Whereas the way the actor does it, he puts his inflection yeah. where he does like a he's little like, look. I'm like, actually gay. Yeah, well, where like he's you're like, offending me a little it's bit. It's kind yeah. of the same and thing. And that's not followed through on. No. Because I don't think it's into writing. Yeah, no. It's the same thing we're talking about with like all the ra- racist Asian stuff, right? Of like, right. we don't, they aren't telling us whether or not they're in on the joke and they know that this is offensive. Yes. Yeah. And instead they're just presenting it. In a way where we as the audience have to go, oh, oh, oh. It's because it's good writing and not great writing. And when you're dealing with stuff like this, you you need great writing to pull all of that off right. Yeah. Yeah, because like even if he had pushed him off and it would have been like, just because you're gay and I'm gay doesn't mean that I'm attracted to you. Or not obviously that verbatim, but something snarky and keeping it led light, but still establishing standards for your character. There's a lot of stuff they're doing just because. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Whereas, arguably, Stage Fright 1987, the director was thinking too much, but not necessarily yeah. knowing how to convey it. Yeah, right. Whereas here, they're conveying things without necessarily even thinking. Yeah, right. So, Final Girl comes out. Victor has turned up. Uh, the opportunities there on the front row. She comes out basically with her boobs completely I out. Oh, like, I literally wrote down, God. like, does this insane. count as boobs? Like, can I count this? We aren't seeing we, nipples. It's but we are centimeters away from boobs yeah. here. <laughs> Like, if that, like, it's crazy. Yeah, and it's the whole insane. time, you're just like, this has to slip at some point. Yeah. <laughs> like, how Especially is she going to later run when she goes running around. I'm like, there's no way. Yeah. 100%. Maybe they did the double sided sellotape. I mean, I trust me, I was on hardcore boob watch. And she really was. I know. Just like every day. Yeah. Yeah. And that that costume person, she deserves an Oscar for making sure those suckers stayed in. Because I bet you they popped out multiple times. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's lots of outtakes, I'm yeah. sure. Um, and surprise, surprise. Victor likes what he sees. Ooh, she's got a um, cute face oh. and a cute rack. We can so work with this on Broadway. I don't care if she can't sing. Right. So who we think is the killer feels a bucket of red paint. It's actually silver. And possibly my favorite f- shot in the entire film before sadly they go back to it and overdo it too much. But is the first shot out of focus where we see the conductor just going crazy. Oh, so yeah. good. And he's not the main thing to be looking at. He's just like out of focus, yeah. just conducting like he's yeah. fucking da, da, insane. Da, da, I love the conductor. <laughs> no, yeah, but it's way before that. It's like when it's still going. I like, he's just right. loving it. Yep. And I think it's brilliant. So yeah, the phantom hair dude finds the makeup hair girl with nails in her head. Oh yeah. Uh, a nice little pinhead well, pin reference, reference. Yep. He gets got. 
and then Silver gets got. So Final Girl is embarrassed as the Phantom's not turning up for the scene that he's meant to be doing. So the conductor just starts playing comedy music and the crowd Loves laps it, it up. Yep. <laughs> it's insane. Like the play falls apart and Victor looks like, oh no. Which he's there for her. Like right. he doesn't need to necessarily like, if he doesn't like the show, he could still go, well, she's good. Maybe I'll take her for something. Yeah. But, but also no. in no world does your theater production of let's just say it phantom of the opera get mm-hmm. picked up and goes <laughs> on to broadway you in said you're going no with it shannon world does you that said you're going exist unless you're doing like a fundraiser of some sort and also, this is a like, middle these are children like yeah. you yeah, no, he has access to professional <laughs> singers yeah why hand. is he choosing this girl? There are other people with racks out there. Nope, just her rack. And then they'll have sex with their directors. This one doesn't. Uh, so, but he doesn't I think know he that. Needs someone so. else. Because every yeah. time he looks at her, he's licking his lips. I don't even know. So weird. It's very Ugh. weird. And this is a middle finger. If you like musicals, this is a middle finger to you because they literally go like, the play falls apart. Everyone goes, oh, ooh, starts getting up. They play comedy music. And like, oh, I'm back in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm so easily entertained. But it goes on for a really long time, this comedy oh, sketch. F- yeah. It goes on for about an hour. You're it goes not entertained forever. this whole time. Like, you Correct. peter out pretty quickly. No one sits joke. back down when you start playing that music. And so I was just, nobody <laughs> says, oh, okay, I'm back in. I mean, it's ridiculous. No. To be fair, old school musicals completely have moments like this in them. Like old Rogers and Hammerstein. But don't last this long. No. And not like, and like this. It's absurd to think that, you know, what we don't know is Silva eventually comes down as the kabuki killer within the show. And it's just kind of like flopping around, which I really don't understand because she's still alive. I think she's just meant to be like yep. mildly injured. She's and, just gagged. And tied and up. Injured, I guess. Yeah. Huh? It's ridiculous. She's just like gagged and injured. Yeah. Yeah. And so then she's just flopping around as though she's, you know, Bernie from Weak and Dead Bernie's on stage. And then the state manager grabs the very offensive, like Asian farming hat and puts that on to go out yep. and perform himself and save the show. It's very so bad. And it's it's translucently everything's falling apart right. and people just make it. It's embarrassing. Yeah. For me to watch, not even there. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just me watching the film. I'm embarrassed that the directors think that this is an okay plot yeah. device to continue in the film because they, I think, find it entertaining. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, as someone that has been a part of shows that have literally fallen apart on stage, that's not what happens. <laughs> yeah. No. no. It really bothers me. Yeah. Anyway, Annoying Girl is doing vocal exercises in the shower. She gets got. Yeah. Shower scene. Yeah. We counted <laughs> this. Of. Counted it. Shower's running. He uses it as a weapon. Shower scene. I'll take it. Uh, Meatloaf then gets knocked out. And in Final Girl, she's just going around finding all these bodies. <laughs> no one will believe her. She's finding body after body. And then the killer, in a bit that I will agree with, that you both like about it, the killer then uses a kitchen knife as a capo to do a guitar solo. Oh, this is my favorite Yes! Scene. This is, it is Metal Killer versus Meatloaf sing off at like 
I wrote down, this is current meatloaf versus what meatloaf used to be. And then I think Katie one-upped it with, this is meatloaf versus Jack Black, which it totally is. It felt very Jack Black in the scene. I love his guitar solo using the knife as a capo. I'm into it. Into it. I think the guitar's unplugged, but I'm going to go with it for the sake of the movie. I don't care. Realism is out the fucking window. I really, again, I'm just like, I'm, I'm into this. Like, I, I, this, his voice annoys the crap out of me, but I enjoy the guitar solo a lot. Mm-hmm. I need more of this then. I need the film to be at this level, and I need it to be really good, because the tune that he plays is good. Yeah. But then, yeah, this should be an epic battle. This should be like the end of Crossroads of yeah. two titans going up against each other. and Or, like, the lead girl should really, it shouldn't be Meatloaf. It should be the lead girl yeah. who's able to sing off against this person. Yeah. And they're both, like, vying for the crowd's attention or something. But it should be like the scene in Scott Pilgrim, you know, where the two Ooh. bands are fighting each other. Yeah. But it's just not at that level. Dragon. Like, I like these ideas, but it's just not there for me yeah so i'm enjoying little moments but that's about all i can give it yeah i completely i completely agree i feel like it's the beginning of something that i would really love but it's just not done so well and again i think it's because meatloaf is in a totally different movie like this is a point where we should be able to have like lightning bolts and things that are fucking crazy happening uh, to really build this moment, but Meatloaf is playing it like he's in a straight drama while singing, and it just... But I think that's a writing-directing problem as well. Like, there's just more... They need to handle this differently, because we're going to get Final Girl comes in, and she takes off the mask immediately. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, we just got started, yeah. really. Like, you took way too long to get to the killer doing stuff. We yeah. should have had a lot more of this stuff earlier. And, of course, it's her brother. Like, who else would it be? Well, again, like they don't use the theater thing enough. Just like in the first one, you want them to use the mechanics that are available to them and that they're familiar yeah. with. And even if they, instead of taking this part off of stage, like they did in the first one where they thought that the killer was part of it or that he was like supposed to be killing this person, like bring that onto the stage yeah. and have yep. it to where you're fooling the crowd instead of this bullshit like comedy sketch that goes on for far too long and it's not believable that people actually sat through that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you replicate what happened at the beginning. Right. If you do the story, you have to. She has to overcome what her mother didn't. Overcome. Yeah. Well, and like, that's what the arc unfortunately, is. Unfortunately, like this has already been done before and it's been done better. Like there's a movie called Repo: The Genetic Opera that actually stars yeah, Sarah yeah. Brightman from Phantom of the Opera, and she mm-hmm. has this incredible moment in it where she's like song battle it's amazing so like that's what this needed to be and they just didn't do it right yeah they should have had jack black write all of the music for the kabuki killer yeah Yeah. he would have been really good because he's so good about putting like story into his stuff i know but or at least channeled what he was doing because it's perfect representation of what they're trying to go well, for. Well, this is my problem is the director proved with the first song he set a bar yeah. and then for me he just doesn't hit it for the rest of the film. Yeah. It's like you set up, there are moments but he sets such a great bar there for what the music should be like and how it should be performed and they never get there again for me. Right. Anyway, this is where we do learn, out, learn that Meatloaf killed their mother because she cheated on him, which I was flabbergasted with because again I was like, oh, they were meant to be together. You slept okay. with her? Wow. She was out of your <laughs> like, league. Good job, man. Yeah. Even if she has the hands of a 90-year-old woman. <laughs> and the brother's known for 10 years and did nothing. That, yeah. <laughs> he watched That's it what... happen and never yeah. told his sister. This is why what you doesn't track. Why, why would you allow... Why would you have him have that? Why wouldn't you have him finding out about it now? Why? Like, like you don't just patiently tell your sister, oh, you shouldn't participate in these things. You'd be like, no, 
we are under the guidance and the care of someone who literally murdered our mother who was in this field. You're walking in her footsteps, singing the same songs, doing the same play. As writers, you get him to find out about it that year, and that's why <sighs> stuff happens that year. Yeah, he right. doesn't wait 10 years for no yeah, reason. No. Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. And talk about opening a restaurant. Like, yeah. I mean, there might be something with them doing this same play that, like, triggers him psychologically or whatever. Sure. But you'd have to write that. I can't. I'm not yeah, just And going. also, he wouldn't spend 10 years just burying it. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Him and his sister are very close. Yeah. Meatloaf gets free. Final girl's yeah, knocked to the ground. in the same room. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're old enough Monica that that'd gets, be weird. Uh, at that point. She gets not to the ground and she just can't get up because of the weight of her boobs or something. Probably. I don't know. That sounds about right. No, her ankles hurt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just probably back. Yeah. Nice. A feather falls on her. <laughs> and then the brother accidentally knocks her out. She's just fucking useless. Yeah. yeah. And Meatloaf stabs him. As the stage is just continuing this ridiculous farce that the entire room's lapping up. Final girl runs, Meatloaf chases, the guy uh, who's in love with her. So, yeah, so the, her brother's basically been murdered by Meatloaf at this point. Yeah. And he starts chasing her instead. He becomes a villain. So this is another huge problem I have. He becomes crazy. Correct. And it's like, he wasn't crazy to begin with. He was a jilted lover, committed a murder, and then he's led this peaceful life, as far as I could tell, for 10 years mm-hmm. with the kids at this camp trying to get back into the music industry and or musical industry. That'll and drive anyone slowly crazy, crazy, though. Yeah. Well, but again, Meatloaf is in a different movie. <laughs> yeah. He's going for his psychotic Oscar role. Like, this is it. Yep. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't and like it. And the guy's in love with the final girl finds the director's severed head, which I guess someone put into a into the pin. Yeah. Uh, well, it's because strange. clearly the janitor yeah. had to clean it up, so he just threw out the trash. Yeah. That's Why not? Weird. That's what you do. And then, yeah, she's got like this buzzsaw, which she's trying to use on Meatloaf's belly, but it's not plugged in. So then the guy turns up, plugs it in. Uh, Spoilers. Those things are still very sharp, even when not rotating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's still a blade. (laughs) Yeah. And meanwhile, Silver and uh, the gay guy are fighting for screen time and then just an embarrassing, embarrassing fuss. Yeah. And then he trips and spills red paint on her, which I guess is meant to be the end of her arc. Yeah. Wow. And, and I wrote down got this what happened to this moment, movie. I guess. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Definitely a carry moment. Sissy Spacek is annoyed somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, Victor is still sitting there for all of this. <laughs> he would not. Be. And, and he's just looking around going, people like him. Yeah. I must have it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he's come all, he's come this way. You know, he's come out. Yeah, it was yeah, probably like so. three hours to get there. Probably so ordered like, his Uber an hour ago and yeah. he's just waiting for it to turn. Yeah. He's just waiting. Final girl covered in blood crawls back on the stage. So Victor starts literally licking his lips again. And then the whole thing ends with nothing happening. And Janitor Man starts clapping. And Victor's into it. Yeah. I mean, I do like... Standing ovation here. Right. I do really (laughs) like like the costume and makeup at this end scene. It's a cool, like, tableau of, you know, this makeup that's, like, now run yeah. down her face and the kabuki, oh, yeah, like, yeah, the with kabuki the blood. makeup yeah. all, like... No, she looks great. But the storyline that these people have just sat through <laughs> makes oh, yeah. no fucking makes sense. absolutely no sense. Well, because from an audience perspective, they went from, like... They went from her saying, number, take me, the, yeah. the villain never showing up, yep. like, the opera guy never showing up. She then goes off stage, the comedy sketch begins... And then she crawls back out covered in blood and all messed up. And then it ends. Yeah. All right. So we're a year later. 
We cut to the opening night at the Broadway revival of The Haunting of the Opera. Victor has taken her away to do his own version, I guess, of it. He's now the creepy director. She's all dolled up ready for opening night. One of the bulbs flickers in a vanity mirror. I've written down a metaphor. Right. <laughs> I think you're overthinking this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's metaphor. <laughs> I love how it's also insinuated now that she's sleeping with Victor. Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, you can't get to where she is without giving it up. That's yeah. what we've learned. That's the message, ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She probably told him to wait till opening, though. So I don't think she's sleeping with him yet. Right. Yeah. She just took her Wait till bra, opening right? for the opening. Listen, she's doing what any smart actress would do. You got to hold out until you're actually... <laughs> withhold sex. Yeah, withhold sex until you are actually on stage in the role. Because until <laughs> then, anything could happen. So she's looking in the mirror, bulb flickers. She has a vision of the killer coming through the mirror to get her, but doesn't actually happen. And then someone knocks and says, places, I think. Yeah, places. Yeah. To which I was really pissed off that she didn't say, thank you, places, because that's what you do. <laughs> She's rude, oh, Shannon. Oh, which I've written down as not really an ending. Yeah, um, it's not. Yeah. Okay. My only little fact is the font and color of the title is exactly the same as the one used for Assault on Precinct 13, which the director and writer did in a tribute to their writer, sorry, to their hero, John Carpenter. Interesting. Well, that's the only tribute that they should use for John we Carpenter. We did it, guys. We did it. We did it. Shannon, you are now released from the horror world. You only have to wrap up next week. You don't have to watch Oh, I was anymore. waiting for you to be like, oh, by the way, I found another remake. <laughs> We're going to talk next week about whether Shannon would ever do anything like this again. But before we get there, we need to deal with this week. And we need to look at how many more boxes or less boxes did Stage Fright 2014 tick. We're looking to beat seven, right? Yeah, six, actually. Six. Sloan! Oh, six. Sloan, turn the boxes. Where the we fuck the, is Sloan? She's like Sloan. always running away. Uh, what, is she, uh, what is she doing in there? I don't know. God. I'm very busy. Okay. Meatloaf. Uh, so Stage Fright Remake checked off 10 boxes. A little what? better. 10 boxes. A little better. A little better. A little better. Bad. Some of them are a little if, but you know, I'd like to check off boxes. So number one, we have the Virgin Lives because I think it's still implied that she's a virgin. Yeah, well. Sure. The slut dies because the mom. Yep. Someone dies in the midst of or directly before sex. Thank you, director. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And the mom, I guess. Oh, no. The phones are dead because he cuts the cord. Meatloaf ripped them out mm-hmm. of the wall. <laughs> uh, the power goes out. We see the killer in the mirror, which I'm taking as the last. That's yeah. Sc- yeah, yeah. scare. They run further into the house rather than outside to safety. The sheer fact that they continue to put on this play. Yeah. Needless shower scene. Yes. All of a sudden, a whole campus slash town is uh, tip- a typically busy area is all of a sudden deserted. Like everything where she's just Back running through the fucking forest is completely empty. Everything. Sure. And yeah. because they like to cut away to the shot a million fucking times, there's a full moon. That is, yep, there is. Many full moons. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there you have it. Ten. That's it. That's ten. Ten. I mean, so, there's a couple I mean, that we could maybe that are like someone playfully scare someone else as a joke. I mean, they had some fake scares, but they weren't necessarily playful. No. And revenge of the nerd, either as the killer or as the hero. I don't know that the brother is really mm, set up to be. Sort of. He's the opposite of a nerd. The others are the nerds. Yeah, the cool exactly. One. Exactly. So that's why I didn't count either one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we almost got boobs. I know. <laughs> for most of it the ending. So close. Yeah. Well, I think then clear winner. For uh, for your bingo is Stage Fright 2014, but which one wins your votes, guys, for the best of Stage Fright 1987 or Stage Fright 2014? 
in our verses. Versus. There you go. Thank you. Shut your fucking eyes. Versus. Katie. What? Who gets your vote and why? So this was not. I mean, when I was watching these, this was clear cut for me. But also thinking back on them, it's it's like you know you forget sometimes the things that really bothered you while you were sitting through them, because I for the first three quarters of the original stage fright, I was on board. I love weird. I love this owl guy. I loved the costumes. I loved just the insanity. I loved that they were making real choices. And then everyone died except for sad ankle girl. And it was like all the momentum died with everyone else. And we were just left there with this whimpering little puddle that didn't do anything with any assertiveness. And the only thing that kept me going was, yeah, these weird scene setups with this owl guy who's put all the dead people out on the stage and he has a cat and it was just so funky and so weird. And I was on board with it, but she drags it down so badly for me that it just killed, no pun intended, this film. Like in my head, it was so painful trying to get through this film that it really dragged it down to a lower point for me than if it would have kept that momentum and even just would have cut it early, I would have liked it better. And normally the remake for me in my head is like one of my favorite things because it's a musical. And I love that opening, not the, not the mini driver scene, but like the opening camp song. And I love the Kabuki killer. I love the idea of like the death metal villain and yeah, but it kind of has the same issue and that it's not really like the continuity is a factor, but it's really difficult because I, I think I like those things equally. Like I love the, the stage design and I love everything about the first one on par with how much I love this Kabuki killer. But I just think like if I was to tell somebody which of these to watch, which is always like my, my go-to form of reference, I would say the remake. Okay. Okay, so, so pretty close. I know, but it's very, very close. Vote. But I'm going to say one remake. Vote remake. Okay. Shannon. I mean. Can we guess? <laughs> for me, it's no fucking contest. Shut your fucking face! <laughs> like, I, there's a lot about the original that I appreciate. I like that they make logical choices and calling the cops and that there are things like that that are happening. I agree. I feel like the first three quarters of it. I'm I'm into it's weird it's got like some pacing issues and technical things with like the dubbing and yeah. all that sort of stuff and uh and ultimately I also had like PTSD of bad plays that I've been a part of <laughs> I was telling Katie I did a play in Chicago called Street Scene with the National Pastime Theater which is the play itself is fantastic it's by Elma Rice but our production of it the director wanted to do a weird theater the grotesque nod to it so this whole thing I was like having flashbacks of that terrible play (laughs) that I did (laughs) just like hanging outside a window like a gargoyle for no reason (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you weren't dressed like Marilyn Monroe playing a saxophone I was not dressed like Marilyn Monroe playing a saxophone I wish I was Uh, so there were just things like that that I I, I don't know I was like ah too real too much (laughs) and you know this whole like convention of them making a play within a play sort of deal and using this theater space and this stage space, I just felt like they didn't use as well as you do in the remake. Like the remake is fucking fun as hell. Love that opening number. 
I love the metal killer. I am into it. Yes, Meatloaf is terrible in this movie. Yeah. Um, I think he ruins so much of it, which is also like a writing problem, uh, not just a Meatloaf problem. There's definitely <laughs> things that I don't like about the remake, but ultimately, if I'm going to tell people to watch one movie, it is 100% the remake. I am 100% saying, guys, you got to go watch Stage Fright. It's hilarious and ridiculous and fun. I am into it. Remake all the way. I was really happy we ended on a film that you actually seem to have enjoyed. <laughs> I mean, I was still watching it through a blanket at like the whole director sure. dying scene. But that's the thing, though, is like it's got some good, gory, you know. Yeah. Now, Mini Drivers one is definitely the most brutal. Now it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Well, okay, my votes are relevant since you've both two votes ha! for the remake. I, I'll be honest, I could go either way. Like when I was watching it the first stage fright, I wasn't sure I was enjoying it that much and I had really good memories of the remake. So this was the first one where I was like, I know I'm going to vote for the remake. Mm-hmm. And then watching the remake so much annoyed me about it that I was like, oh, I don't, I don't. Like there's very different things that I like about each of them. The opening number of the remake is spectacular and I think everybody should watch that. Mm-hmm. But you can watch that out of context. You don't need yeah. to see the film to appreciate that. But... And I like the mask of the Kabuki killer and there are certain like little flourishes here and there that I find really funny, but it just really falls apart for me and Meatloaf is terrible and the final girl is terrible. And I think yeah. the final girl in the original is terrible as well, but the one in this is just like, she starts off good and she just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And that's almost worse than just a character that's not really there, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, there's something, there is a flavor about that original State Friday that I really like. It is a bit of that giallo. The owl head is fucking fantastic. So and I think, I mean, we'll get to it next week, but we're going to place characters, yeah, our killers in order and stuff like that Ooh. in the wrap up. So, mm. yeah, I mean, if I had to vote, I could go either way. But since you two both voted for remake, I'm going to vote for the original just because I do think it deserves one vote. And I, I probably will, will go back to the original more than the remake. Like, I'll go back again to that opening scene of the remake a lot, but I don't really feel the need to watch anything else after that. Whereas the original, it's so fucking weird <laughs> that I kind of really like it. Um, and it has some just strange creative. I mean, the ending really annoys me because the ending just falls yeah, apart. Yeah, it does. It really does. In both of them. I mean, it's weird because, yeah, we approach this suddenly of, oh, okay, it's not actually a remake. But there are a lot of parodies between the two from yeah. the jilted lovers and the murders and just the endings and the useless final girls. Yeah. And just like, there's lots of strange. I don't, I don't, they might not be actual remakes, but I'm sure the director's watched that because there seems to be some influence yeah they've definitely have seen it i think there's some legal reason why they haven't been able to talk about it you know yeah maybe but yeah not sure the remake if you just don't think about it too much is a great film yeah <laughs> but if you're just going in for entertainment's sake you're gonna no, be fine. sure i think people i think more people can enjoy because i honestly I'm for my taste. even just talking about it i was like oh yeah there is a lot that left a bad taste in my mouth but i did not experience that while watching it it's yeah, only like 100%. upon reflection that right, right, right. It hits to be fair, up. you were also watching it with me, who was like, yes! Yeah, she was. <laughs> yeah, definitely helps. She was. Well, that is it, guys. We've come to the end of another series. Next week, we'll be going through the wrap-up, but we're going to be talking through, yeah, lots, all of our different lists. This is the very all first time that the remake won, right? Yeah. All the yeah. other times, it's always been the remake. original. Yeah. Al, you yep, want to yep, know yep. what I think of your opinion of the original? Shut your fucking face! <laughs> 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 is that going to haunt us now and our friendship for yeah, years to come? Much. It kind of gives friendship you over. an insight into the kind of films that Shannon wants to be in. 
She does not want yes. Artie weird. She wants <laughs> straightforward no commercial. I am a superhero. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Who sings? Yeah. Shut your fucking face! <laughs> Singing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll be back next Friday to delve into all of that stuff. Until then, you can please go to We Geeks. Do go to our iTunes. Please do subscribe and rate us. Send us emails. Let us know any series you want to cover. Next week, I'll be revealing what we're covering up next. Covering up what we're covering next. All of those directors we've been murdering and putting in the bins while we try and put on theater shows. <laughs> and you can follow everybody. You can uh, talk to Shannon about yeah your experience with not Gar- putting out gargoyles. <laughs> roles in theater shows. Right? No casting couch for this girl. That's why I'm not working. <laughs> <laughs> All you it have to hurts. do is take your bra off and then say, are you going to be mad if are I don't want to do that? If I put it back on. <laughs> put it back uh, on. Shannon, huh? where are you? You can find me on the gram at Shannon Hollander. You can I also you. tweet with me at my fave Shannon, but I will only respond as, shut your fucking face, because I don't really <laughs> use Twitter. That is accurate. I like all the poses that people can't see right now. You're like an anime character. <laughs> I know. Uh, Katie. I'm at my dearest Watson on Instagram, where you can look at pictures of food. You're welcome. And I'm Mr. Al White on all the social medias as well as the Xbox. And if you want to find out about our own feature film called Starfish, you can get a Starfish mixtape right now. Check out the theatricals, check out the trailer. You can see where it's playing. And I believe this week it'll be playing in Chicago, where I'll be there. Woo-hoo! Ali will be Midwest. there. Midwest. And if Woo-hoo! you want to meet people, Woo-hoo! check out where you want to come. Where yeah, we're I going did to all Kansas that after that. Theater. Omaha, Denver, uh, Phoenix, LA. Come say San Francisco, come say hello and check out our film and tell us why you stopped listening to our podcast halfway through every episode. Hey, Al, can you can you let Shannon know which of the places in Missouri that you're going to be? Is it St. Louis or Kansas City? I forget. Kansas City. Yeah, that's oh, right, Shannon. We're going to the inferior one with the best place. better. The inferior place? No. That seems like a poor choice no. for you. The one with one the of great barbecue. has an Alamo draft choice. house. An Alamo draft house and civilization. I mean, you could totally get starfish in the Tivoli. Tivoli in the Del Mar Loop? Oh, yeah, you should make that happen. I don't, I'm not allowed to say either way. <laughs> I'll talk with him. Right. All right. <laughs> we'll, be next, we'll be next week. We'll be back next week. Until then, from myself, from Katie, from Shannon, and Lee and Haruka, we're out. Geeks! Geeks! Thank you. Wow. Shut your fucking face! <laughs> oh, my God, you're a nightmare.